Hey everyone, I am Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com and this is the Ready For The Draft podcast. Second week of the college football season in the books, college football landscape really starting to take shape. We see some teams that are taking off, uh, a couple of disappointments that are out there as well, and uh, really seeing some players emerge uh, you know, watching their draft stock continue to increase. There are some guys out there, Nick Bosa, Ed Oliver. We're going to be talking about the two of them here in just a moment. But uh, definitely seeing their draft stock and their and their draft position, you know, exactly where we thought they would be at the start of the season. First thing that I want to kind of start off with is, you know, we've had a couple of uh, injuries, you know, players that have gone down for the season. And, uh, you know, that's really going to affect the overall, you know, the, the draft process. You know, Trey Adams, the, the big 6'8 offensive tackle for, for the Washington Huskies, finally healthy after the knee injury. But, uh, you know, he, he went down to, to a back injury, didn't play week one against Auburn, ultimately out for the season after having back surgery. And really, his future is going to be up in, up in the air. What is going to happen to Trey Adams? Um, you know, really, you look at that offensive line. And, you know, primarily that offensive tackle position in the draft, a lot of guys are shifting up. You know, really right now you have two guys that have emerged uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. You know, and that's Greg Little out of uh, Ole Miss. And then um, obviously Jonah Williams out of Alabama. You know, who's going to be keep competing for that number three spot? That's really going to be the big question right now. I think the guy that's emerged is is David Edwards out of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, the biggest thing for for David Edwards right now is he he looks like a, a right tackle. You know, he's a converted tight end, and uh, you know, really the biggest thing for me that I want to see from him is is can he handle the the speed rush? Is he, is he a guy that you know we're going to be looking at as as a left tackle? Look, Mike McGlinchey. Number nine pick overall, ended up, you know, he's playing right tackle. And as long as Joe Staley is there in San Francisco, you know, Mike McGlinchey's not moving anywhere. So, you know, that, that right tackle position is really a really a value. So that, I think that's why David Edwards, you're seeing his draft stock continue to shoot up the boards. Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State is going to be another guy that, to, to look at as possibly that third offensive tackle. 38-game uh, starter coming into the season. Um you know, veteran out there, uh, you know, pro football focus, you know, I've talked about it, you know, 90.3% overall, you know, with a 98.9 pass block rating, only three uh, quarterback pressures. You know, so Dalton Reisner is a guy that you really want to keep an eye on. And then finally, you know, one guy that is kind of my sleeper is is Max Sharping. You know, he's probably going to, you know, he may find his way into day two, 6'6", 320 pounds out of Northern Illinois, uh, 11 pressures, um, you know, between an 85.5 and an 89.5 in three seasons per pro uh, pro football focus. Watched him week one against Iowa, and for the most part, he definitely looked the part of, a, of an offensive tackle uh, that, can, that can compete at the next level. You, you saw him very quick out of his stance, excellent hands. Um, you know, and I thought that, you know, that the kick slide was really what made the difference. You know, he was beating guys to, to the edge, and that was really what uh, – uh, what was setting him apart, but you know where he got into trouble was really with the speed and AJ Epinesa, a guy that people, if you haven't heard of the name, AJ Epinesa for Iowa is a guy to really take notice of, and uh, you know it, it's one of those things to where that, that speed kills, and so he was having a hard time with that speed. Um, you know he'd overset a little bit, and and Epinesa would get him on the inside. Uh, also the speed on the outside, forcing him to open up a little bit too quickly, and then he'd start to lean and lunge a little bit. But uh, definitely a, a guy to keep an eye out for 
Um, those are really right now, those are my top, top, uh, top five offensive tackles. Now that Trey Adams is off the board, the other injury and it's major injury for a team that could be competing for a college football playoff spot. And that's Rodney Anderson. They're out of, uh, uh, university of Oklahoma. You know, it, it didn't look like much at the time, but, uh, the six, two, 218 pound junior, um, goes down with a knee injury and then ultimately reported out for the year. You, know, you saw when he went down, you know, I, I, again, it didn't look like there was a ton of contact. Didn't really look like, you know, it might've been when he, when he fell, you know, a little awkwardly possibly, but, uh, you know, ultimately the knee injury. And again, he's, he's out for the year. Um, you kind of knew something was wrong when they take him off the field and he almost goes immediately to the locker room. Um, and then obviously the next day they confirmed, you know, the, the, the Sooners biggest fear, you know, the Sooners now, you know, what do they do? You know, you're looking at Trey Sermon, you're looking at, you know, Marcellius Sutton, a TJ Pledger, the freshman is going to be seeing, uh, some more playing time, um, you know, and possibly even Kennedy Brooks there. And I think they'll be relying more on, um, you know, Kyler Murray, not only, uh, his, his arm, but you're also going to be seeing him, uh, run the ball a lot more, I think. Um, so OU definitely, um, you know, it, it was, you have all that, that stable of running backs, but it was just really a game changer and really a difference maker in that, you know, Ron, Rodney Anderson could run with power. He could run with speed, uh, had excellent hands really was a total package. And, you know, I thought that the offense really looked different without Rodney Anderson on the field. And you really have to feel for the guy. You know, he was out for, you know, missed all of 2015 with a broken leg, broken neck in 2016, started off 2017, um, you know, with just, you know, didn't really carry the ball all that often until uh, he, he emerges, um, you know, towards the towards the end of the season, the last, last eight games, um, you know, goes over 100 yards, had the big game against TCU, um, so Rodney Anderson really expecting to have a big year this year. And if you're looking at this running back class, he had a chance to be one of the top two or three running backs taken. Uh, cause you know, my, my guess would, would have been that he would have come out after the end of the season, even though he's only a junior, um, you know, would have competed with David Montgomery, justice Hill, you know, even Bryce love, um, for the top spot in that running back class. Um, you know, with him going down, um, you know, that, that really hurts the running back class this year, but you're looking at some of the juniors now, uh, you know, De- a Devin Singletary, you know, the, the five, nine, 200 pound junior from Florida Atlantic. If he has a big year, he could very well come out. Um, you know, and some of the seniors as well, you look at Damian Harris, you know, he, he's a guy to me, you know, hasn't really, it was back to back thousand yard seasons. But for me, I, I, I don't. When I look at da- uh, Damian Harris, I, I don't see a, a, a running back that you know really wows me to the point where I say this is going to be a guy that I need to take in the top top three rounds of the draft. Um, but you know, with Rodney Anderson coming off the board, you know he's someone that I could see moving up draft boards. Um, you know, Justice Hill's another one. Um, you know, he's he's a lot smaller than than Anderson was. Not not as much power, but someone who really catches the ball well out of the backfield. And you know, when you're talking about lateral cuts, there may not be anyone in college football outside of Bryce Love um, who has the the type of of lateral agility that uh, Justice Hill has. Um, so, you know, that's really you know, starting things off kind of on a downer, but uh, two um, 
injuries that really are affecting the not only the college football landscape but also you know the it impacts the draft in in April because I know that teams were looking forward to taking a, a closer look at both Anderson and Adams. Now with with these injuries, you know a, you know Anderson with this is his third major injury in four seasons, and then you know you look at at Adams two different injuries back to back years. You know you really have to worry about the durability. Those are huge red flags. Um, you know what do you do there? What do you do in those scenarios? Um, that's going to be a big question mark for for both of them. And you know really the question is going to be are they going to be playing in college in in uh, 2019? And you know if the answer is no, then you really have to wonder you know what their draft stock is going to look like. Um, you know the medicals are going to be huge for both of them at the at the combine and uh, the individual workouts, etc. So I've been busy uh, to start out the, the college football season, to say the least, you know, in the first two weeks of the season, you know, I've watched 38 games beginning to end. And, uh, of the 130 FBS programs, I've gotten to watch 62 of those teams play. So not all of them are the, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, USC, Notre Dame, etc. Um, you know, I've gotten to also watch, you know, Tulane play UNLV ball state, you know, and to start off, the uh, conversation here for uh, you know the the September eighth weekend, um, I actually got to watch Army take on Liberty. Had never seen the the, the Liberty Flames uh, play, and uh, wanted to get a shot at uh, at Buckshot Calvert. You know Stephen Calvert, the the quarterback there at Liberty, you know, threw for over three hundred yards, two touchdowns, did throw a pick. You know, and uh, wanted to see what what he looked like. He's only a junior, six two, one hundred eighty pounds. Um, you know, I thought that there were some accuracy issues, um, you know, and he's got a, an interesting delivery. It looks like he almost puts his whole body into a, a lot of his throws. Um, you know, deep ball accuracy was poor, but I thought some of the ball placement on the short to intermediate routes was really good. Um, you know, also wanted to get a, a, you know, an eye on, you know, Antonio Gandy Golden. You know, he's a 6'4", 220-pound junior, looks the part as a, you know, a, a, a prospect at the next level, uh, 69 receptions, uh, over 1,000 yards, uh, 10 touchdowns a season ago. He's a big receiver, you know, runs hard after the catch, um, you know, made some good blocks uh, on the perimeter to, to free up some, um, free up a, a running back for, for a long gain. Um, you know, he didn't play football until his junior year of high school. Um, you know, someone who, who has good, good size, does a good job boxing, um, his, his man out and, uh, you know, pretty decent hands overall. Um, thought he did a good job uh, on the back shoulder throw. I think that's really where he's going to make his living if he does, um, you know, make it to the next level. Um, but you know, the biggest thing, you know, I tuned in to watch Gandy Golden and ultimately I came away impressed with the cornerback at army. Um, you know, Elijah Riley, you know, six foot, two hundred and five pounds, only a junior, but you know, was consistently in phase with you know while while covering Gandy Golden on the outside. Excellent ball skills, able to high point the football, attacks the ball in the air. Um, you know, there's a stutter and go by by Gandy Golden. You know, bail technique was watching the quarterback. Um, you know, able to go up and knock the ball away. Uh, closes quickly, you know, to avoid any any uh, yards after the catch. Very physical, was jamming the receiver, getting his hands on Gandy Golden early. Um, you know, he's he's someone that I, I think you have to kind of keep an eye on a, a, as we go forward. 
Um, you know, and he was someone that I think was kind of off my radar, but uh, definitely going to be keeping an eye on Elijah Riley moving forward. Uh, another guy for for Army that you know you have to talk about is is uh, Darnell Wolfel, the the fullback, five nine, two hundred thirty five pounds. Um, you know, runs with a low pad level, just a physical guy. Uh, you know, a short yardage guy. Um, but has a short area burst, you know, bursting through the line. Um, definitely someone that, that you um, would want to use on on goal lines. You know, 14 touchdowns in 2017. Um, you know, and, and you know the the biggest thing is 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 can he fit into running in in Army's you know triple option? Is he someone that could be a conventional fullback? And I think that's really going to be the biggest question: is is can he actually come into the NFL and be a be that conventional fullback? If he can do that, if he can make that transition, and I know that teams are going to want to see that at the Senior Bowl. You know, my my all indication to me is, is that Wolfolk, you know, at, at least will be at the East West Shrine Game, but I think he he deserves a shot at the Senior Bowl, and uh, you know, would definitely want to see what he can do uh, at the fullback position. But Army wound up taking out Liberty. Um, you know, 38 to 14 and, uh, you know, Liberty, they, they've, you know, they, uh, you know, have a little ways to go, you know, competing at the FBS level. You know, the next game that I got to watch was, was Houston against Arizona, uh, Houston, you know, just throttled them at, at home 45 to 18. And I was chuckling because, you know, it was, you know, the Ed Oliver show, you know, and you look at Ed Oliver, if you just look at the stat line, you're like, okay, uh, you know, five tackles, you know, a, a half tackle for loss, a pass breakup, you know, then there were the four quarterback hurries. Well, you know, there are a lot of plays that he affected. And that's one of the things, if you're talking about taking a guy in the top five picks, and I keep saying this about Rashawn Gary and why I don't see him as a top five pick just yet is because I don't see him affecting every play. I don't see, you know, where teams are going to have to game plan for him, um, you know, on, on every single down. You know, what I am seeing though is Ed Oliver is consistently affecting plays, you know, and he, you know, the, just the, uh, the leverage and the explosiveness off the football. He was taking on double teams, driving uh, driving the blockers back, disrupting run plays. Um, you know, used a very good rip move uh, to beat the the lineman. Um, pursues very well um, from the from the backside. You know, was shooting through the a gap to trip up the running back for a tackle uh, tackle for loss. Um, you know, attacking the right shoulder of of the center. Um, you know, and, and working back to the left, you know, to, to go ahead and, and pressure the quarterback. Um, excellent burst to close on the QB as well. You know, 39 and a half tackles for loss in his first two seasons for the Cougars. Just uh, really a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, you know, the comparisons, there are going to be comparisons to Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, um, you know, $135 million man. And uh, he's proven... Uh, more than proven his worth. You know, he was drafted number 13 overall. I thought he I actually had him pegged to go number eight. I thought he'd be perfect in a uh, a Mike Zimmer scheme. You know, I, I I looked at him and said, you know what? He had, you know, Zimmer had, uh, you know, Geno Atkins when he was coaching in, in Cincinnati. Made perfect sense to me. They wound up going Anthony Barr and Aaron Donald dropped to the Rams. And, uh, you know, the Rams... You've got Brockers, you got Sue, you got Donald. I mean, that's just a uh, very intimidating defensive line, to say the least. But you're looking at Ed Oliver, and he was affecting every single play. I mean, he was freeing up things for uh, for the ends and the linebackers to make some plays, um, and you know, just really, really a lot of fun to watch and durability for this guy as well. You know, 26 career starts. 
um, you know, hasn't missed a missed a start in his Cougar uh, career. To me, he solidified himself as a as a top two um, in this draft, along with Nick Bosa. To me, they're head and shoulders above everybody else. You know, Oliver is so difficult to cover. You know, inside, you know, virtually unblockable, and you know, Nick Bosa has proven to pretty much be unblockable as well. I got to watch him against Oregon State, and then I didn't get to see him play against Rutgers. But just looking at the stat line, you know, once again, I, you know, it's something that you know we. we I, I, I've talked about how shouldn't take a look at at, at the box scores because they don't always tell the story. But you look at it, you know, Nick Bosa, five tackles, a sack, three tackles for loss, and a, and a quarterback hurry. Um, not a bad day at the office. You know, fifty-two to three. Um, you know, just throttling of of Rutgers. It was thirty-five to nothing at the half. So you figure you're looking at him, five total tackles. He probably only played the first half, and that's just my guess without even getting to see any of the game. Um, but you know, Nick Bosa definitely, you know, going to be one of the top two uh, players taken in the draft, you know, without a doubt. Um, you know, that Houston game, you know, that also uh, a little disappointing, you know, watching Khalil Tate. You know, you really have to wonder what's going on there uh, in Tucson. Kevin Sumlin, his first season there as the head coach. You know, Khalil Tate, known as as probably the best dual threat quarterback in the game, and, and really he's he's been almost relegated to more, you know, mostly a, a pocket passer. You know, he did have the the ankle injury in in the first quarter, really limited his mobility, and I think it also affected the way that he was throwing the football as well. Um, you know, he has a big arm, just a flick of the wrist, and and. You know, the ball just jumps off of his hand. But, you know, the issue for him is, you know, he lacks a touch. He lacks, uh, you know, being able to put the ball where his receiver needs him, uh, needs him to put the football. And, you know, that's one of the concerns that uh, that you're going to have. You know, and if he, you know, if you make Khalil Tate one-dimensional, he doesn't have the skill set as a passer that, that Lamar Jackson has. You know, and you saw the growth year after year with Lamar Jackson and really Khalil Tate from a sophomore to junior year. So far, he's, you know, you've seen more of a regression than anything else. Um, you know, he did throw for 341 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, or I'm sorry, and, and but threw for two interceptions. You know, there weren't any touchdowns, but, you know, threw for two interceptions. Um, and, you know, that that's, you know, Arizona's now now sitting there at, at 0-2. High expectations with Kevin Sumlin coming in. Really have to question, you know, what's going on there with that offense. Um, you know, but Arizona, you know, on the good no- good note, you know, Sean Poindexter, the receiver, seven receptions, 134 yards. He's 6'5", 218 pounds. He's a senior, so he'll be coming out into this draft. You know, he's an ex-volleyball player. Um, you know, I, I thought that he did a really good job, you know, going up and getting the football, uh, you know, attacking the ball on the on um, you know on on the perimeter, uh, extending his, his his hands for the football, and uh, you know, someone who I think can really play on the outside. Um, really played well outside the numbers. Um, you know, for Houston in, in the secondary, you've got Garrett Davis, the, the safety, 6'2", 210 pounds, 23 career starts. Um, he was someone who just always seemed to be around the football. You know, I think very, very instinctive. He was deep safety um, for much of the game. And, uh, you know, playing along the sideline, there was a ball that was overthrown. Um, you know, able to to bring in the pass, you know, for for a second interception, um, you know, first interception, um, you know, he was again safety over the top, uh, receiver, you know, Shun Brown over the middle was pass pass was thrown, 
um, you know, a little high ball was tipped and an easy interception for him. And that was one of the things he seemed to be in the right place at the right time. And so you have to wonder, you know, is that just a coincidence? You know, but both of those picks, he happened to be in the right place at the right time, which, you know, tells you that he's doing something right. You know, the instincts definitely are there. Um, I think Garrett Davis, probably a day three pick, but somebody who I think can make a roster, um, you know, because of, of the, the, the instincts, the intelligence, the football IQ, you know, all of that is definitely there. Mississippi State taking on Kansas State, um, you know, in uh, in Manhattan, Kansas, and uh, the Bulldogs coming out with the W, thirty-one to ten. Nick Fitzgerald getting his first start after being suspended for the first game. Um, accuracy issues, you know, it was just eleven of, of twenty-seven for uh, one hundred eighty-four yards. You know, did throw two touchdowns, also threw a pick. Uh, ran the ball very well, uh, 159 yards on 19 carries. Um, you know, he and, and Kylan Hill were basically the the entire offense um, on the ground. You know, Kylan Hill, you know, 17 carries for 211 yards and, and two scores, and then uh, you know also had a catch for for a touchdown as well. Um, so the Bulldogs definitely, you know, on, on offense, you know, were just running the ball down uh, Kansas State's throats at will. Um, you know, and then defensively, obviously the, you know, that's really what I was tuning in to, to see. I wanted to see Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons up front, and then on the back end, Jamal Peters and, and Jonathan Abram. Um, you know, you, you don't see the ball, you know, airing out as much with, with Kansas State, you know, Skylar Thompson and, uh, and Alex, you know, Delton, not really the, you know, the passers, um, you know, didn't really see a whole lot of, of, of passes going, going down the field, but, uh, you know, you, you got to see a little bit of, of what, you know, Jonathan Abram um, can do, you know, just uh, you know, does a really good job, you know, as a deep safety. Um, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, he closed quickly on the football that was thrown in front of him. Definitely a big hitter. Uh, Jamal Peters, you know, the length, he's 6'2", 220 pounds. He's out there playing corner. Um, you know, played in 37 games, just eight starts, three interceptions in his career. Um, but, you know, this is the year that everyone's expecting him to have a big season. You know, he blitzed off the edge, fought through the tight end, uh, Blaze Gammon's block, chased down the quarterback, um, you know, all the way to the sideline, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he's someone that, you know, with, with his size, you know, I, I think he'll probably end up translating more to, to the safety position. But, uh, you know, I really want to see what he can do, um, you know, in SEC play against, you know, some of the, you know, some better competition at, at the wide receiver position. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons to me is kind of the you know the is being overlooked a little bit at, at uh, uh, you know the defensive you know defensive line um, you know the nose guard defensive tackle position you know the, he was constantly double teamed and you know just seemed to uh, continue to to work you know uh, you know and get early penetration by shooting the gaps you know low pad level off the ball um, just seemed to always be be affecting the quarterback affecting the plays behind the line of the scrimmage he was driving his man back into the quarterback to to collapse the pocket chasing the quarterback out to the perimeter you know the motor just always seemed to be running had an excellent tight swim move on on the center um you know and uh you know 
there was a nice play as well where he he noticed that the you know the offensive linemen were offensive linemen were releasing down the field, read the screen, dropped back, and ultimately dropped the running back for for no gain. Um, so you saw some intelligence there as well. Uh, very active hands for for a defensive lineman. You know, he's six four, three hundred pounds. When you're looking at that defensive tackle position, Jeffrey Simmons is a guy that you have to be talking about as a potential first rounder. You know, obviously you have Ed Oliver. There's you know Dexter Williams. You know the the big six five, three hundred forty pounder. Uh, Christian Wilkins. Um, you know the so the dynamic duo inside there at Clemson. Uh, Derek Brown of Auburn. Uh, Draymond Jones of Ohio, of Ohio State. Jerry Tillery of Notre Dame. But Jeffrey. Simmons is right in with that group and, and I would almost argue that you know you could probably put Jeffrey Simmons in the top two you know two or three uh, defensive tackles to this point I was very impressed with with Simmons you know if you're wondering how he did on the day you know four tackles two of them going for loss and a quarterback hurry um, you know to me Jeffrey Simmons is, is a legitimate um, first round prospect you know as is Montez Sweat you know 6'6 245 pounds um, the length, you know, they, they compared him on the, the broadcast to Jason Taylor, 6'6", 244 pounds, uh, was Jason Taylor and Montez Sweat virtually identical. Um, but I'm also looking at Daniil Hunter, you know, another guy who has a similar body type, long arms, you know, very explosive, you know, someone who, you know, I'm looking at Montez Sweat and I'm saying, oh yeah, he has to be a, an outside, outside linebacker in a 3-4. No, he doesn't. You know, Daniil Hunter and you know Jason Taylor—they've both proven that he can be, you know, that they they can get the job done um, as a four-three defensive end, and I think that's ultimately where Montez Sweat is going to be playing. Um, you know, ten tackles for loss in the last four games. Um, you know, just very very explosive. You know, six tackles, three and a half for loss, and two sacks last week. Um, you know, just very very quick off the ball um, and, and quick to get to the quarterback. You know, I, I thought that he got some good leverage on, on Dalton Reisner. Um, drove him back into the backfield. Um, ultimately, you know, drove him to the ground. Um, you know, ran ran the arc very well, getting getting off the edge and and getting around around the corner to the quarterback. You know, you, you saw some good effort. Um, you know, working to the quarterback. Um, you know, he got upfield um, and ultimately it made a spin move back inside as the quarterback was stepping up, able to get the sack. And uh, you know, that was against Dalton Reisner. Um, you know, shooting some shooting some gaps. Um, you know, able to get off uh, Reisner's block uh, to chase the quarterback rolling right um, when, when the quarterback broke the pocket. You know, hit the hit him as he threw, forcing an incompletion. Um, you know, Montez Sweat very active, very explosive. The length is is really difficult for tackles to deal with. Um, three tackles, two for loss, and a sack uh, on on the day. And, and I mentioned Dalton Reisner. Um, you know, he, he has, has long arms, you know, you know, extends them, locks them out. Um, you know, he was doing a good job, you know, engaging, uh, Montez sweat on, on, on the edge in the run game. You know, he made sure to generate, you know, again, locking his arms out, generating some movement, getting that leg drive, um, you know, and, and sweat was just unable to get off the block when, when he was able to get his hands inside and, and get the legs moving. You know, a lot of the speed, you see a lot of speed, you know, coming off the edge. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, Reisner didn't panic. He, you know, he'd, he'd open up, he'd take his man and, and just drive him away from the pocket down the football field. You know, I, I thought that, uh, you know, he, he did a good job sliding for the most part in, in, in pass protection. The lateral movement uh, is definitely there. Um, you saw, you know, him being able to, to pull in the running game. 
Um, you know, the, the change of direction, I thought, you know, with, with Reisner, you know, being able to pick up the secondary moves, um, he handled the bull rush very well. Um, you know, he, he picked up the defensive end on the inside and then the defensive tackle looping around on, on, on the stunt, you know, very, very quick laterally to go ahead and, and move off of one to the other. Um, you know, Sweat, uh, you know, there were occasions where Sweat would get the edge, but he was able to force Sweat up the field and away from the pocket. Um, you know, and, and that's really what he what he did time and time again. You know, Sweat would, would get up the field and, and he would take Sweat with him all the way up the field. The one thing that, that uh, you know, Sweat had was he was constantly working. He kept working to get back to the quarterback and, uh, you know, the, the problem was was Wildcat quarterbacks, both Skylar Thompson and, and Alex Delton, they were holding on to the ball too long. And, you know, those secondary moves, and that's really what uh, would ultimately would do uh, Dalton Reisner in. You know, and, and finally, you know, when we're talking about offensive linemen, you have to talk about, you know, Elton, uh, you know, Jenkins, the 6'4", 310-pound senior center, you know, no sacks uh, given up or, or uh, quarterback hurries in 2017. Uh, excellent hands, you know, good leverage. You know, he definitely, you know, he's a knee bender. You know, you can definitely see that he's at, uh, athletic getting out to the second level. Uh, also stout at the point of attack, able to, to anchor um, you know, he, even if he, he got moved back off the line, taking a couple of steps back, he reset and uh, and re-anchor and and you know was really stout at, at that point of attack. You know, I thought that he p- picked the bit uh, the blitz up the gut very well, using his hands to get it get those inside and really stifle that that rush and uh, you know drive block. You know, just clearing the way for uh, for the running backs, especially you know Kylan Hill. You know, running the ball up the middle. Um, again, quick to the second level, you know, does a good job in, in the open field locating uh, defenders. To me, El, El, you know, Elton Jenkins, you know, is is definitely the most athletic center. Uh, I think he and Taylor, uh, Tyler Biadish, you know, Tyler Biadish, you know, he, he's he's more effective, I think, in the in the run game than he is the passing game. And I, and looking at uh, Elton Jenkins because of his athleticism, to me, I see him as as the top center um, in in. Uh, in this draft class, you look at at the centers that were coming out, you know, a season ago, and Frank Ragnow uh, going to the Lions, um, and, and you had you know James Daniels, and you had uh, uh, Billy Price. You know, Daniels was the most athletic of the bunch, and you know I believe he was he was drafted, um, you know the. You know, as as the third of the of the three centers, um, you know. But you know, in, in this case, I think you know the fact is is, is Jenkins. Um, you know, there there aren't any injury concerns, and and to me, I think he's he he's the most polished. You know, Biadis, you know, what he has working against him is he's a redshirt sophomore. He has 14 games as a starter. Um, to me, Jenkins is going to be the guy who could very well be. You, know, you see a premium. You know, we had all the centers that were taken um, early on in the draft, and uh, you know, I, I think Jenkins is definitely a guy that uh, you could see in the in the first round um, on draft day, um, that, you know, in in uh, 2019. Got to watch OU take on UCLA. OU ultimately getting the best of the Bruins, 49 to 21. Um, you know, we talked about, about Rodney Anderson, but, you know, OU, you know, one of the things that was definitely impressive was CeeDee Lamb really emerging as a, a go-to receiver for Kyler Murray. Seven receptions, 146 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the 6'2", uh, 
uh, sophomore. He'll be back at uh, back in Norman for one more season. But when you you, you look at some of the OU uh, wide receivers that they've had, Sterling Shepard, and uh, and most recently Didi Westbrook, um, you know you, you've got some receivers that uh, that are making plays. And you know CD Lamb's going to be the next guy. He's going to be the next uh, next go to receiver. Um, he and Marquise Brown, you know, and Marquise Brown, you know, four receptions, eighty eight yards, and a touchdown. Just so explosive. You know, he's 5'10", 168 pounds, um, not not a guy who's going to be very physical, but uh, definitely a burner. And, you know, it, it seemed like he was mostly cramps more than anything else that he was dealing with, but he was slow due, um, you know, didn't get to play much of the game uh, because of some of those injury or some of the, 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 it looked more cramping than an actual injury. Um, you know, so we'll see what he, um, you know, when he takes the field against Iowa state, um, you know, what, what, uh, what he looks like, if we're going to be seeing any you know, residual issues with his, uh, excuse me, with his, his, his with his legs. Uh, but tight end for UCLA, Caleb Wilson, 6'4", 235 pounds, you know, the junior, four receptions, 92 yards, you know, the, the, you know, had a 65 yard reception in that football game. To me, Caleb Wilson looks like a legitimate receiving threat at the tight end position, you know, and that's the thing, this class for, for the tight ends, there are a lot of receiving tight ends in this class. Noah Fant, um, obviously is getting a lot of the looks, um, out of Iowa, 6'5", 232 pounds, but you know, you have Caden Smith, you know, he's 6'5", 250 at Stanford. You've got Caleb Wilson. Um, those, to me, are, are your top three tight ends in this class. But you also have Albert O um, there at Missouri. We'll be talking about him here in just a minute. You know, 6'5", 260 pounds. Um, you know, and uh, he, he's another one of those just dynamic receiving tight ends. You know, Alizé Mack out of Notre Dame, 6'4", 251 pounds. He's gotten to show off some of his receiving ability as well. Um, very, you know, a, a lot of tight ends, you know, and they're all underclassmen. That's the thing. Um, that it's going to be interesting come, um, you know, come come uh, the beginning of, of next next year. Um, when uh, a lot of these guys have decisions to make as to whether or not they're coming out and entering the draft. But, you know, some tight ends that you could definitely see emerge um, as a potential pick in the first two days of the draft. Um, my co-host over here, Figaro, my, my silver lab, she's two years old and uh, apparently not really enjoying the podcast all that much. I apparently have put her to sleep. You can hear her snoring in the background. Um we won't disturb her though, um, but uh, if you're wondering what that what that was, that was that was uh, that was Figaro snoring here in the background. So let's see. You know, those were the the early games. You know, and, and definitely, um, you know, once once that OU game was over, you know, I made sure to get to the the SEC game of the week. You know, number three Georgia Bulldogs taking on South Carolina, and, and the Bulldogs, you know, came into Columbia, you know, Williams Bryce Stadium, and uh, you know they, you know, Sandstorm was playing, and uh, you know the crowd jumping up and down with the white towels before the, you know, before kickoff, and uh, you know it didn't really affect Uga um, and 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 his fellow Bulldogs as uh, Georgia, you know, forty-one to seventeen in a rout. You know, this was something that, you know, you saw defensively, um, you know, some playmakers, a lot of young guys, you know, on this defense that were making plays, 
Um, you know, DeAndre Baker had a had a pick six. Um, you know, and, and just a, a lot of plays being made all over the field by by this defense. Um, you know, DeAndre Walker four tackles, uh, a sack, two forced fumbles, but uh, he had a um, you know a, a, ultimately a concussion and had to had to leave the game. Uh, J.R. Reed with a, with an interception um in in the game you know jr reed you know he's somebody that you know really doesn't get a, a whole lot of credit uh, back there in the secondary everyone's talking about uh you know deandre baker but you know jr reed is is an intelligent um uh safety sitting back there uh the son of uh you know of of, of a nfl receiver and uh you know just you saw the instincts you know he, he read the uh, the slant at the goal line, jumped the route, undercut it, you know, beat the receiver to the football for his interception. Um, you know, playing well against the run, you know, does a good job in the open field, one-on-one, you know, a very sure tackler, um, excellent range, you know, sideline to sideline player on the back end, 6'1", 194 pounds. Uh, to me, he, he's a safety that we're going to have to watch out for. Um, you know, come come draft time and during the draft process, you know, obviously Jaquan Johnson, Luke, uh, Lucas Dennis out of out of Boston College, um, you know, Andrew Wingard, um, you know, but J.R. Reed is a guy that you know could make make some noise and potentially be the number one safety um, in this draft class when it's all said and done. I think the instincts definitely are there. Um, you know, we I mentioned DeAndre Baker, 5'11", 185 pounds. The senior will be competing with with Greedy Williams as the the top cornerback um, in this this draft. Um, you know, essentially, you know, the ball w- went off of uh, you know the, the the running back Rico Dowdle's hands, popped up in the air. Baker was able to uh, spot the football, make a play on the ball. You know, ball skills obviously were evident. Picked it off and was able to return it 56 yards for for the touchdown. Um, you know, he was in phase. You know, against uh, Debo Samuel on a back shoulder throw. Um, ultimately pulled Debo Samuel down and got called for a penalty. Um, you know, but, but Baker, you know, one of the things that I thought was so impressive, you know, was, was he was doing a good job cutting the receiver off up the sideline, um, basically forcing the receiver out wide, um, you know, just blanket coverage on, on DD Samuel. Um, you know, there was a play fourth and 10, you know, in phase with absolutely no separation on, on a hitch route. Um, you know, and was basically just right in, in Samuel's hip pocket the entire game. Um, you know, Debo ultimately finished, uh, finished the game, six receptions for just 33 yards. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, largely due to DeAndre Baker, you know, who didn't uh, allow a single touchdown, uh, a, a single, uh, a season ago, um, just really a, a dynamic playmaker there on the outside. Uh, speaking of Debo, you know, it, it was, it was kind of a tough, um, tough, uh, tough night, um, or tough day for him. You know, it was one of those things, you know, he, he did make a, make a, a touchdown pass, 13 yard TD pass to Brian Edwards, um, took, uh, took the handoff, you know, really nice touch and a nice, nice spiral, nice tight spiral hit Edwards in the end zone. Uh, just couldn't create any separation against Baker. Um, you know, it was, it was one of those things to where, you know, he, he did a good job um, reading, reading plays where you'd have, you know, the cornerback rolled, um, you know, rolling up, you know, ran by, um, ultimately Baker, um, safety over the top though, you know, presented problems. Um, you know, 
he's he's someone to me that uh, you know I'm just waiting for him to get going. You know, he was someone who was so dynamic a season ago with the the kickoff returns for touchdowns to to start out the season, and then ultimately going down to a season-ending injury. Um, you know, let, let's see. You know, he. Uh, yeah, two insane catches, six total touchdowns at the beginning of the year, and then you know there was a 12-yard curl against Kentucky. Uh, defender fell, um, you know, fell on his ankle, ultimately out for the season, and uh, you know hamstring injuries forced you know five five games as a freshman, you know, and and uh, you know ten game only played ten games as a sophomore, so you know durability definitely a concern with with Debo Samuel and. You know, against top competition, going up against DeAndre, you know DeAndre Baker, I thought Baker got the better of him. He just couldn't create any separation. And going forward, that's going to be something that we have to keep an eye on. Quarterback to keep an eye on. You know, a lot of people are, are a lot higher on him than I am. Is Jake Bentley? You know, six four, two hundred twenty four pounds. Um, you know, it was one of those things. You know, watching him, you know, throw the football around. Um, you know, throwing off the back foot quite a bit, wasn't really transferring the weight, uh, a whole lot. Um, you know, he, uh, he, he was the guy that, that reclassified as a freshman. Um, you know, so his, his, uh, freshman year at, at, uh, at Columbia, you know, he really should have been a high school senior, but, you know, because he reclassified, he was able to go ahead and, and make the team. Um, you know, his dad is South Carolina's running back coach. Um, so he's the son of a coach, and you know, so from uh, understanding the game, I think he definitely, you know, you could definitely see that, uh, you know, in the uh, red zone. I thought he did a really good job on on an out route, um, showing good ball placement um, away from the defender, out where the receiver can make a play on the football. You know, first half he, he threw the ball 31 times, you know, 18 to 31 for 146 yards and an interception. Um, you know, several tip balls. You know, it was he was it seemed to be missing a lot of the different throwing lanes. Um, to me, I'd like to see Bentley come back for his senior season. I just don't think that he's a finished product, uh, product yet. You know, thirty of forty-seven, uh, two hundred sixty-nine yards, a touchdown, but two interceptions. I think you know a lot of the mistakes. He needs to cut cut down on the mistakes. He needs to cut down on um, you know really making sure that he's setting his feet, that he's not throwing off of his back foot because that's really you know affecting some of that accuracy. Um, and then finally, one, one guy to really start keeping an eye on is Mikko Hardman at a, at a, you know, f- there for Georgia. 5'11", 183 pounds. He's only a junior, but the, the acceleration is, is apparent. It's one of those guys, he just has so explosive, such explosive speed, um, you know, just to really take off a legitimate uh, vertical threat. Six receptions, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he's someone for me that I, I want to start keeping an eye on as the season progresses because uh, you know you look at this receiving class and there are a lot of lot of bigger receivers but you know if you're a, a team that's looking for a slot guy or, or a vertical threat you know, you're not necessarily going to find that vertical threat um, you know out of a, a, a David Sills or you know um, uh, some some of these bigger receivers JGR Sega Whiteside you know uh, Colin Johnson they're not the legit vertical threats that that you'd be looking at at the next level um, so he's someone that I think could be one of your sleepers uh, as the season progresses if uh, Jake Fromm can continue to get the football to him which then leads me to to the Pac-12 South now who would have thought that Colorado 
and Arizona State would be at the top of the um, you know Pac-12 South. You know, well, you know, USC struggled against Stanford. We'll get to that game. U- UCLA has started the season. UCLA and Arizona really have started the season 0-2, and uh, you know Chip Kelly, you know Kevin Sumlin having some issues um, in, in their first seasons. You know they don't really have the personnel that fit their fit their style of play. So it's going to be a, a bumpy road until they can get the guys in that they want to have. But, uh, you know, that's the benefit of, of, of both Colorado and ASU. They have veteran quarterbacks, you know, Steven Montez for the Buffaloes, um, who's a junior and then Manny Wilkins, the senior there in, in Tempe. Um, we'll talk about Arizona state here in, in a, in a little while they, they played against Michigan state in, in a, a night game and it was a thrilling victory in the desert, you know, to, to upend the, the number 15 ranked Spartans. But, uh, man, you know, Colorado, they, they, they look, they look tough. You know, if I'm, if I'm the pac 12, you know, um, you know, I better take notice of, of the, the Buffaloes because they're, they're for real. You know, they went in um, into Lincoln and, and took down the Cornhuskers 33-28. You know, uh, Stephen Montez, you know, threw the ball 50 times. You know, 33 of 50, 351 yards, three touchdowns, um, and, and he's really developed some chemistry with Lavisca Chenault. You know, after going for, um, I believe it was over 200 yards. You know, he had 10 receptions, 177 yards, and a touchdown. Now Chenault is only a sophomore. He'll be back for another season, but he's somebody that I'll tell you what. You can already start penciling him in as as one of the top receivers in, in next year's draft class. 6'2", 220 pounds. Um, just a you know, he's a vertical threat. Um, you know, and one of the things, you know, he he caught the ball in the flat on one play, made the first man miss, and then just showed the burst. Um, you know, up the up the sideline, um, for for a big play. You know, vertical route. You know, did a good job extending for the football. Um, made a fingertip catch. Um, you know, for 37 yards. Uh, another vertical route. You know, got inside position on the, um, on the corner. Basically ran by the corner back there. You know, the safety never got over the top. You know, and a perfect throw by uh, uh by Stephen Montez to to hit hit Chenault. Um. For a touchdown, uh, with 106 to play to go ahead and win it. But I'll tell you, you know, Stephen Montez, 6'5", 235 pounds, has an NFL arm, can make all the throws, um, and then the accuracy. You know, you're just seeing him mature. Uh, you know, Sefo Lufal was was the the starter there in in Colorado um, when when Montez was a freshman, and then all the injuries that Lufal had to deal with. You know, Montez really kind of cut his teeth there as a freshman. And now as a junior, you're really seeing, um, you know, the, the development and that step really just taken uh, to the next level. Six of six on the opening drive, just the accuracy, the ball placement, um, you know, he, accuracy on the move, moving to the right, you know, square to shoulders to to the target, um, you know, needs to needs to make sure that he doesn't force it. You know, he threw one into into double coverage. Um, you know, got you know, will get himself into trouble sometimes doing some of that. Um, you know, but very, very effective with his feet, able to avoid the rush. Um, you know, keeping his eyes down the field, um, able to manipulate the pocket. You know, good feet. Um, you know, the, the the footwork. You know, just sliding um, to avoid the rush, stepping up in the pocket, and uh, you know, very accurate on his deep ball. I think that was one of the things that was evident. Uh, especially when he was hitting uh, Lavisca Chenault, you know, just time and time again, just excellent body control, or I'm sorry, excellent, uh, um, you know, ball placement. 
Um, you know, Juwan Winfrey is another receiver. You know, he's 6'3", 215 pounds. Um, you know, the senior, you know, showed off some some really good body control uh, along the sideline, able to get uh, get both of his hands under the football as well. Um, you know, good comeback route. Um, you know, be able, able to create some separation, drove his, drove his man uh, up the field and then came back um, for the football. Um, defensively for, for Colorado, Nate Landman, you know, the, the, the sophomore linebacker, um, born in Zimbabwe, you know, son of a, uh, of a rugby player, but, uh, man, he just flies around to the football, trusts his eyes and just reads and reacts, uh, shoots gaps, gets downhill, um, you know, affects both the, the run and the pass, you know, 13 tackles, two for loss, had another interception guys just playing, you know, making plays all over the field. And Rick Gamboa, you know, I thought that this guy was, you know, was just a guy, um, on, on the field, but, you know, over 200 tackles in his career and, uh, you know, showed the ability to, um, you know, shoot gaps, uh, make plays on the football, um, there was a fourth and two play. Was able to get in and drop uh, Divine uh, Odigbo, the the running back there for Nebraska, shy of the first down. Um, you know, very sure tackler in the open field as well. Uh, was definitely impressed with him uh, and his play so far this season. Um, so definitely, you know, Colorado, you have to keep an eye on this guy or on on, on this team. Um, you know, they're they're for real. And you know, if I'm if I'm USC, if I'm uh, Utah. Um, you know, sitting at the, you know, the, the two teams that everyone was expecting to be at the top, you're going to have to keep an eye on Colorado. And I mentioned, uh, Arizona state, you know what, that's a late game, but I'm already on a roll talking about the PAC 12. So why not talk about Arizona state and Michigan state, you know, knocking off the 15th ranked Spartans, 16 to 13, Brandon Ruiz kicking the foot, uh, kicking the field goal as time expired. Um, you know, in this game, obviously, you know, you've got Manny Wilkins, uh, 63% career pro- uh, completion percentage, you know, 39 touchdowns with 17 interceptions. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me with, with Manny Wilkins that I saw was, you know, the accuracy, uh, on the short to intermediate routes. You know, I, I thought he did a great job. Um, you know, I, you know, I discipline, you know, manipulating, uh, defenses, um, and, uh, you know, ball placement, back shoulder throws. I thought, you know, it really, um, you know, he looked polished there. I thought, you know, the, the footwork, uh, he's definitely a very, very athletic guy to, to make defenders miss in the, uh, in the backfield can, can take off and run with it. Um, but he had a lot of receivers, so many receivers that were open down the football field and, and that deep ball accuracy was, was troubling. That's something that, you know, if, if he's someone who's looking at, at the next level, you know, he's 6'3", 200 pounds, um, you know, and has, has a, an NFL arm. He has a big arm, but that deep ball accuracy, that's something that's going to get him into trouble. Um, you know, you know, on the flip side, you've got Brian Lewerke, um, 6'3", 220 pounds. You know, I, I thought he was a little bit more athletic than, than Manny Wilkins was able to make a lot of plays with his feet. Um, you know, again, another guy who would get, you know, his eyes down the football field, but I thought what, what you really saw from him was the ability to move, um, you know, outside the pocket, kept his eyes down the football field, would set his feet and fire. And when he did that, you know, he was very accurate. And, and what, you know, I also was seeing was when pressure would get in his face and Arizona state has a couple of uh, freshman linebackers that I'm going to be talking about here in just one moment uh, that are definitely going to be exciting moving forward in pac 12 play. Um, but, you know, the work he, he'd have, you know, defenders in his face and he was either thrown off his back foot or really couldn't step into his throws and still showed off an NFL style arm. 
Um, to me, I think Lewerke is still, you know, could could use another year uh, of seasoning, but somebody who could, we could be talking about as a, a pro prospect uh, for the 2020 draft. Um, but as I said, you know, the, the linebackers for, for ASU, uh, Merlin Robertson, you know, definitely looks the part. 6'3", 235 pounds, you know, the freshman coming off the edge, just speed off the edge, you know, um, got in uh, for a sack with uh, with Darius Slade, who just ran over the the, the running back, L.J. Scott. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, it wasn't L.J. Scott. It was it was uh, Ironhead Hayward's son, um, uh, Connor Hayward, and uh, got to the quarterback. And then the very next play came off the edge again and, and – uh, you know, got a got a strip sack out of it. He and uh, the middle linebacker who just seemed to be a load. Um, you know, and they were having a hard time blocking him. Uh, Darian, uh, Darian Bl- uh, Butler, those two linebackers. You know, I think uh, Herman Edwards definitely has um, a, a, you know a dynamic duo there at the linebacker position. You know, and one of the things that that they called out just so many. Uh, you know the veteran presence that's that's there on the ASU staff. You know Al Luganbill um, is director of player personnel, and you have Kevin Mawai and Antonio Pierce on the roster. You know NFL veterans. Um, you know, and so that's one of the things that uh, you know Herman. Uh, you know when when Herm showed up there, a lot of people were scratching their heads, but I think he's doing things the right way, and these guys are really playing uh, playing hard for him. You know, and and. You know, when when Herman Edwards speaks, you listen, and uh, you know you're always going to learn something from him uh, when he does speak. And I'll tell you, you know, the best player on that football field was by far Nikhil Harry, six four, two hundred thirteen pounds, a junior receiver. Um, you know, to me right now, he's the top receiver um, in this in this draft class. And I honestly don't think it's all that close. Um, when you look at him, he just looks the part. Uh, just a big physical receiver. You know, very physical down the football field. Um, you know, not afraid to go over the middle as well. Um, you know, he, he he just seemed unfazed by the by the physicality of, of the secondary. I think there were a lot of uh, a lot of guys that were trying to get in his head. You know, you saw you know Justin Lane, Josh Butler being very physical with him. Took a huge hit from Matt Morrissey, the safety, and just popped up and walked back to the huddle like it wasn't any uh, wasn't all that big of a deal. Um, you know, he runs very well after the catch, very strong. Um, you know, third and three play, drove the the cornerback to the outside. Um, you know, basically a quick, quick slap and, and cut inside, able to get that slant for for the first down. But that was the thing that was so impressive. You know, you just you saw him fire off the ball, couple of steps to the outside, quick slap to the shoulder pad, cuts inside the the the, the corner, created some separation, able to make a play. Um, you know, and that was one of the things that um, you know Greg McElroy was talking about was just how sudden. Uh, Nikhil Harry is, and I think that was very apparent. You know, he was just so so quick off the line, quick so quick with his movements. You know, a guy that big should not be able to move that well. Um, the the back shoulder throw along the sideline. You know, you saw him. Um, you know, pluck the ball out of the air with his hands, and uh, you know the, the the DB tried to shove him out of bounds, but he the body control to still be able to get both of those feet inbounds before going out of bounds. And then uh, you know the, the game tying touchdown vertical route 27 yard uh, yard catch able to elevate um, you know and, and, and catch the ball over the DB and then turn around and fall into the end zone um, you know to me he's he's a beast you know 140 yards uh, a, a week ago against UTSA you know in this game you know six receptions 89 yards and a touchdown um, you know he you know mismatch nightmare or a, a matchup nightmare. Excuse me, and you know, just a guy who, 
um, is just going to continue to um, you know, just be in the a thorn of, of Pac-12 defenses uh, throughout this season. Um, you know, uh, again with Sparty, you know, there there were three players that I think stood out for them uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, Kenny Willickis, you know, he's 6'4", 260 pounds, junior defensive end, um, does a good job setting the edge. Um, you know, against the run, then was able to get off the left tackle's block and uh, shoot in and get a tackle for loss on the running back. Um, just an excellent motor. Just kept working to the quarterback. Um, you know, second, you know, second and third moves to beat uh, beat his man and ultimately get into the backfield. Um, Joe Bocci again. You know, the the six two uh, junior linebacker. Um, you know, just very instinctive. Always seemed to be around the football. Showed really good speed to chase down. Um, you know, uh, Manny Wilkins to the sideline when it looked like uh, Manny Wilkins, you know, broke the pocket and it looked like he was actually going to get a first down. Um, and then obviously Raquan Williams in the middle, 6'4", 300 pounds, junior. Um, of those three guys, I could see Raquan Williams possibly entering the draft. Um, you know, I thought, you know, he, he definitely was disruptive. You know, fourth, fourth, uh, fourth and one play, drove his man back into the backfield and was ultimately able to stand up Manny Wilkins and drive him back uh, for a TFL um, you know, he was pursuing the quarterback down the, down the, down the line. Um, you know, there was another play where he, he stood up the center and then, you know, able to stack and then shed, get off the block and, uh, you know, drop, uh, drop the quarterback, um, with, uh, you know, a very impressive, uh, freshman defensive end in, uh, and Jack Camper, um, a, a guy who I think is going to be making a lot of plays um, for the Spartans. And, you know, if you've got Willickus on one side and then Camper on the other side next season, um, you know, it's going to be fun to watch this season as he as he continues to grow as a freshman. But next year, you know, with Willickus as a senior and uh, and Camper as a, as a sophomore, it's going to be uh, really interesting to watch. But ultimately the Spartan or the Spartans go down, you know, they were up. Uh, 13 to three heading into the fourth quarter, and ASU with with 13 t- uh, 13 points there in the fourth quarter to ultimately upend uh, the Spartans. So Arizona State definitely looked for real. Um, you know their sophomore running back. I haven't talked about him at all, but uh, Eno Benjamin you know showed really good power, uh, showed some good speed, and I saw some lateral cuts in the hole, uh, making defenders miss. He's someone I think as as the uh, the season progresses, you're gonna you know if if they can really get him going, coupled with the the uh, passing game there with Manny Wilkins, you know I, I think that they have a definite shot at uh, winning the the Pac-12 South. You know it could very well end up being ASU and, and Colorado. Um, you know if USC with with JT Daniels can't get get things going, um, you know it, it could very well end up being those two teams when it's all said and done. Now USC they they had. Uh, a late game against Stanford, but since we're talking about the Pac-12, might as well go ahead and talk about the Stanford-USC game. Stanford getting the better of USC, 17-3. to uh, JT Daniels, the, the true freshman, um, looked very much like the true freshman that he is. 16-34, uh, 215 pounds, two interceptions, uh, lost a fumble, uh, took a hit, and uh, ultimately went to the to the locker room, had an issue with his wrist, ultimately came back into the game. Um, you know, he was very much relying on his uh, high school buddy and, and college roommate now, uh, Amonra St. Brown, um, in, in game one against UNLV. Didn't really look his way much. You know, Tyler Vaughn, who had a very disappointing uh, first game, 
couple of drops, and uh, just didn't really look like he was all that focused. Seven receptions, 84 yards. You know, I thought the junior definitely uh, made up for the the poor play. Um, really showing a, a good, you know, showing the ability to attack the football in the air, win one-on-one contests, able to uh, to get those 50-50 balls as well. Um, but really, the game was, you know, it was all about Bryce Love. You know, Bryce Love. Um, you know, had 34 yards in the first, or I'm sorry, it was uh, 37 yards in the touchdown on his first drive and had a total of 29 yards in that first game against uh, against San Diego State. Um, you know, busted off a, a 56-yard run. Um, you know, very patient, waiting for his blocks, and then just showed the speed to the outside. You know, that's one of the things you'll see a two-yard, you know, gain, a three-yard gain, a four-yard gain, a two-yard gain. So patient. And then he'll bust off that 56-yard run. You know, 22 carries, 136 yards and a touchdown for Love. Um, you know, showed, showed the, you know, some versatility to, to catch the football out of the backfield. Also uh, picking up blockers and, and pass protection. You know, Bryce Love, to me right now, is the most... You know, may very well be the most complete back in uh, in college football. Just the the explosiveness, the speed, um, you know, and all the plays that he was making over 50 yards. You know, when you're looking at uh, uh, you know 20 plays of 50 plus yards uh, a season ago, you know, on on the ground, it's just it's it's insane. Um, you know, and then you know when you have Bryce Love running the football, and then you have JJ Arcega Whiteside, the 6'3", 226 pound wide receiver. Um, you know, catching the football, you know, you've you've got a recipe for success, and, and that's why Stanford has to be, you know, along with Washington, um, the the favorites to win uh, the Pac-12 North. Um, but you know, Arcega Whiteside, you know, had over uh, 200 yards receiving against the Aztecs to be the Pac-12 Player of the Week a season or a, a week ago. Um, just so difficult to bring down after the catch. Um, you know, strong hands. Go, you know, using that basketball background to to box out um, box out defenders. You know, he uh, you know, was a McDonald's All American candidate in, in high school as a basketball player. Um, you know, he was dragging dragging uh, defenders um, a- after the catch. And uh, you know, one of the things that you like about your receivers is, you know, especially at the next level, is they have to be able to block. You know, I thought that you know he, there was a downfield block, um, you know, on on Greg Johnson, the cornerback, to to give Love, um, you know, some extra yards. You know, that effort there out, you know, blocking in the in the run game is something that you definitely want to see, um, you know, from your your receivers on the outside. And I talked about Caden Smith earlier. You know, that's a tight end threat. You know, in the passing game, you know, just up the seam was just a weapon. You know, left his feet, full extension. You know, extending his hands to to make a play on the football, just attacking the ball. You know, it was a third and twenty-three play. Goes up the middle for twenty-eight yards. You know, just ran up the middle, up the seam. Um, you know, and and it just seemed to be a, a place where he was making a uh, making his presence felt. You know, four receptions, seventy-seven yards. To me, Caden Smith is a is a, tie, a receiving threat in the tight end. Um, who could hear his name called early um, in in uh, in April? I think he's probably a a second round pick um, if I were to, to to say anything right now. Um, you know USC. You know defensively, and we'll talk about all you know everyone on on defense here. But starting with USC, um, you know Cam Smith. You know the thing that that really jumped out to me with with him was just the fact that he shed shed all that weight. Now he's playing around 227, 228 pounds. Um, he's actually able to move a lot faster. He looks so much quicker, able to get down the football field, um, you know, make plays 
um, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, it's one of those things to where he was shooting gaps. Um, you know, he actually pursued Love and dropped him in the backfield for a loss. Um, I, I think Cam Smith has definitely helped himself so far this season um, with his play. You know, another guy, um, you know, Porter Gustin, uh, the the wild man there on the on the outside, uh, just a physical freak, uh, freak of nature with with his speed. Um, you know, he chased Bryce Love uh, down the line, dropped him for no gain. Um, you know, he does a good job, you know, setting up his, his, uh, his pass moves. You know, he set the right tackle up to, to the outside, then a spin move back inside, uh, to pressure the quarterback. You know, you saw, you know, a bull rush driving the left tackle back towards the quarterback, um, blew up a screen, um, to the receiver, Trenton Irwin, you know, read the play, ran straight to the receiver and blew up the play there. Um, you know, he drove, you know, the right guard, Nate, Nate Herbig, who himself is a, is a, a pro prospect back to the quarterback with a bull rush as well. Um, you know, would start to the outside and then shoot the gap inside to, to get to the quarterback, to get a hit on him as he threw, uh, through the football. But, you know, you also saw, uh, him get sucked inside on, on a dive, uh, fake. And there was an easy pitch to love for 24 yards. You know, the, the, the dive to the fullback, you know Bryce Love is is the weapon, you know, and Bryce Love is heading to the outside. Why would you go for that fake uh, to the fullback? Um, you know, so that's one of the things. You know, he's got to be able to, you know, make sure that he's not collapsing down like that because, you know, at the next level that could definitely get you into trouble. Um, and then Stanford's, you know, Bobby Okariki, um, you know, probably the the, the, the top um, prospect you know, defensively for, for this, uh, this upcoming draft. Um, you know, I thought he did a good job, um, you know, shooting to the hole, um, you know, does a good job, you know, running to, uh, you know, to, to break up passes, you know, in, in, uh, uh, in, in, in coverage. And then, you know, I thought he did really did a good job on a blitz, you know, timed his blitz very well, you know, a delayed blitz, um, was able to shoot the a gap and get through to the quarterback, um, but one name to keep an eye on, um, he's only a sophomore, but, uh, you know, cornerback Adebo, Paulson Adebo, uh, 6'1", 189 pounds. Um, you know, he, he was beaten, uh, but showed the recovery speed to get back and then ultimately get his hands in to, to make a play on the football. You know, he was jumping a hitch route to, to Tyler Vaughn uh, to ultimately knock the ball away. Um, showed a good job making open field tackles to not allow any yards after the catch. Uh, five tackles, two pass breakups. He and and Iman Marshall uh, for USC were clearly the top two uh, in, in the secondary uh, in, in this game. You know, I thought you know Iman Marshall did a good job. You know, forcing uh, Bryce Love out. You know, coming up on on a run play, um, and then he you know came back down, dropped around the line of scrimmage, and was able to drop uh, you know Love for a little gain uh, between the tackles. Um, you know, also very physical with JJ Arcega Whiteside was really getting him to, towards the sideline. To me, Imam Marshall has definitely helped out of his draft stock. You know, a season ago, I thought he was getting beat way too often, and and so far this year, he's definitely been the best player um, in that secondary for USC. And that includes having Martell, uh, Marvell Tell back there in the secondary. Marvell Tell, you know, um, you know, just seemed to be out of out of out of position. Made a couple of bonehead plays as well. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, Imam Marshall, like I said, definitely helped his draft stock, um, you know, playing against Stanford. But at the end of the day, USC, 
only giving up 17 points to Stanford, very much in the game. Uh, unfortunately, the offense just couldn't muster much of anything. Uh, the running game was nearly you know non-existent. You know their top running back was uh, was uh, Aka Cedric Ware, which is 59 yards on the ground. Um, you know Toa Lobendon, to me, um, he came back. You know first game back after you know after the injury. The the injury concerns there to me are are too much to of a red flag for me to want to take a chance on him in the draft. Uh, you know, I look at Toa Lobendon, you know, and just some inconsistent play coupled with those red flags with the injuries. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't see him making an NFL roster. Um, you know, Chuma Adoga might be the most athletic of their offensive linemen, but Adoga I thought was beaten repeatedly um, in, in the game. You know, you had Sean Barton, uh, Casey Tuhill, um, both of the, the linebackers getting to the quarterback, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I thought Adoga was definitely inconsistent as was really, you know, Chris Brown as well. You know, I, I, I really like Chris Brown. I think they're, he's their top offensive lineman, left guard, you know, firing off the ball with, with leverage, getting his hands under the pad level, generating some movement in the running game. But, uh, when it came to the passing game, you know, another guy who was just inconsistent. You know, if USC wants to really challenge for the Pac-12 Pac title, you know, first they're going to have to get past Colorado, Arizona State, um, and Utah in the, in the South. But man, they they've got to be more consistent up front. Um, that offensive line really needs to um, not only protect JT Daniels but also you know block in the running game as well. So getting back to some of those those earlier games, let's see what we've got next. You know, I've got Notre Dame and, and Ball State, and I'll tell you what, watching this game, I was very impressed with Ball State. That defense, a lot of young guys on that defense. You know, Jalen Thomas, you know, a sophomore linebacker, and and, and Ray Wilborn, a junior linebacker, two guys that really stood out to me. And, and Ray Wilborn, you know, he's a ju- junior collar transfer, and you know, he's six four. Um, you know, and, and 227 pounds, and let's see, you know, at uh, at the JC level, you know, Garden City Community College, you know, played in 23 games, 120 uh, 120 tackles, 23 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, um, you know, before you know coming to to Ball State, and just you know showed very very good speed, you know, just uh, you know very active on the outside. Um, you know, would spy the quarterback, you know, and, and come off the edge to to get to the quarterback as soon as as Wimbush would break the break the tackle, um, but the tackle box. You know, I I saw decent hips when he was dropping into coverage. Um, you know, the the speed to get after the quarterback. You know, I thought he showed excellent effort. Um, you know, he was beating um, Liam Eichenberg, the left tackle, um, with inside moves uh, to drop the quarterback. Um, you know, for no gain. Um, would drive quickly on the ball in, in, in the passing game, um, you know, and in coverage did a really good job reading the quarterback's eyes, um, you know, un, underneath, you know, took him to the football, ultimately making a play on the ball. Um, you know, Ray Wilborn to me is a is a legitimate um, NFL prospect. You know, eight tackles, one for loss, a pass breakup, uh, you know, quarterback hurry, and then that interception. Um, you know, where he, he broke on the football and, and ultimately made a play. Um, to me, you know, he might have been the, the best defensive player um, on the field um, for either side, you know, frankly. 
you know, I, I thought Tavon Coney definitely very, you know, very consistent. He's not somebody who's going to necessarily be very flashy. You know, 14 tackles and and uh, was able to get to the quarterback for a sack. Um, you know, read the jet sweep um, to the receiver, the, the the little receiver Justin Hall, and uh, you know shot in to, to drop him for for just a three yard gain. Uh, did a good job spying on the quarterback. Um, and once he broke the pocket, was able to make a straight line to the quarterback for the sack and force fourth down. Big play there on a third down. Um, throw into the flat. Um, you know, quarterback was moving out and uh, you know, moved with the play. Close on the tight end, able to drop him you know, there in the flat for, for no gain. Um, another job, you know, quarterback rolling out. You know, good containment to the sideline. Forced the quarterback to throw the football away. Um, wraps up the receiver. You know, that was one of the things that was just so impressive was he was, um, you know, a very good wrap-up tackler. He would wrap the guy up and, you know, just would not let go. Um, sometimes even, you know, grabbing a hold of a guy by the ankles and just would not let go. Um, you know, just, again, not a flashy guy, but definitely someone who was consistent. You know, I, when I look at Tavon Coney, I don't think of, you know, exceptional speed, but just a guy who, you know, um, makes plays all over the football field. Uh, Jerry Tillery, you know, I, I love this guy, you know, 6'7", 305 pounds, um, only had a couple of tackles on the day, you know, wasn't all that, uh, um, you know, effective in terms of the stat line, but, you know, he was very active, you know, used his, his hands, you know, with a slap and rip off the football, pressuring the quarterback, um, you know, very athletic to chase the quarterback from the pocket, um, you know, would use a, a, a swipe and rip, on the on the center, um, able to shoot gaps and, and be very disruptive in the backfield. Um, you know, to me, Jerry Tillery is a guy who has a chance to to crack the the first round um, when things are all said and done. Um, Julian Love, the corner, 5'11", 193 pound junior, um, very willing tackler in the running game, coming in off the edge. Um, you know, he uh, you know, was very, very intelligent, you know, let the, let the receiver get inside on him, you know, and ultimately able to keep an eye on the quarterback and, uh, you know, was able to shoot in and make a play on the football. Um, very tight coverage, you know, receiver ran a hitch, um, was on the back shoulder, you know, um, underneath the route, no separation. It was able to go ahead and, and knock the, knock the football away. Um, you know, I think he just does a really good job driving on the ball. The ball skills are evident. 20, 20 pass breakups a season ago, and uh, he's definitely off to another start, um, you know, similar start this season. Um, ball State, you know, their quarterback, Riley Neal, you know, he's, he's a big guy. He's 6'6", 225 pounds, a redshirt sophomore, has an NFL arm. Um, you know, he's a, he's a four-year starter, but, uh, you know, he um, was out you know, a fractured tibia, the third game of the season. So um, ultimately, you know, he's he's a fourth-year junior at this point. But, uh, you know, excellent arm strength, you know, able to drop the ball in, um, you know, was, was flushed from the pocket and was basically on, on the move, on the run, you know, quite a bit. But, uh, you know, I thought he did a good job getting the ball to, you know, pushing the ball down the field and uh, getting the ball outside the, the, the numbers, Um and the ball placement, putting it away from the defenders so only his receivers can make a play on the ball. Um, I, I think Mike knew, um, you know, with, with Riley Neal and, and some of the young defenders or young, you know, young defensive players there on, on defense, um, 
you know, Ball State is, is a team to to keep an eye on there in the MAC. You know, they're not going to be the laughing stock of the of the MAC. You know, I, I think they've got some players that uh, you know um, can ultimately make some some make some noise when it's all said and done. You know, Christian Albright, another linebacker I talked about, Jalen Thomas and Ray Wilborn. Christian Albright is only a sophomore, 6'2", 233 pounds, showed speed off the off the edge. You know, Liam Eichenberg really struggling with a lot of the speed off the edge. The the junior left tackle having a hard time uh, dealing with some of these guys, and uh, you know, I thought that Albright definitely. Um, you know, made a name for himself. You know, the, the center, um, senior captain, Sam Mustafer, um, up front, I thought did a really good job picking up blitzes, absorbing the impact, able to go ahead and reset and, and anchor. Um, showed a good job, you know, uh, able to, to seal off defenders. You know, that was one of the things that he, he'd seal the, def- the defensive tackle off um, to the to the right seal them off so that you know there wouldn't be any pressure to the back side quarterback running to the left for a big gain um you know to me you know mustafer is someone who i thought he had a much better game um you know against ball state than he did against michigan um someone to keep an eye on you know i think he's a veteran presence there at the center position um and uh someone who i think you know he's someone who's going to definitely at least if nothing else get a look at the next level um, Drew Tranquil, you know, he's a 6'2", 235-pound um, outside linebacker, converted safety, um, so, someone who I think plays all over the football field, plays really hard. Um, you know, Tranquil, to me, is kind of a fringe uh, guy in terms of getting drafted. Nine tackles, one for loss, um, a quarterback hurry, does a good job blitzing, and uh, has some pretty good ball skills as well. Um, if we're talking about uh, a pro prospect for Notre Dame on the out, you know, on the offensive side of the football, uh, Miles Boykin is somebody who I think can end up making some noise. Um, you know, he's 6'4", 228 pounds, a big receiver, um, but showed he could get vertical. You know, um, you know, that was one of the things that I thought was really impressive. Uh, does a good job adjusting to the football in the air, um, especially on this deep cross, uh, deep crossing route for 28 yards, uh, able to adjust to the football while it's in the air. Um, six receptions, 119 yards, um, you know, Miles Boykin, not really a guy that people are talking about on the national scene, but somebody who I think, um, as the season progresses is someone that, um, probably, uh, you know, fourth round, fifth round pick, but someone who I think is going to make an NFL roster. Um, so Notre Dame, you know, the, uh, uh, number eight team in the, in the country put up 24 points against ball state and, uh, you know, they win and survive. Now, it's really at the end of the day that's all that they were looking to do, and they were able to capitalize on that and uh, and and come away with a win. Um, I got to watch Missouri take on Wyoming. You know, Wyoming. You know, they've got my uh, my defensive players there. You know, Carl Granderson. You know, I I, I thought that Granderson was was clearly uh, he and Andrew Winger were the two best players. Um, Defensively for Wyoming, I thought Granderson, you know, was able to affect some plays coming off the edge. Um, definitely showed that he can play at the um, you know, against some of the teams there in the, in the, in the power five, Andrew Winger was just flying all over the place, you know, all over, uh, making, making plays, um, in, in the past game and, and against the run. You know, I, I thought that was one of the things that, you know, Andrew Winger is always known for that, you know, and he's somebody who, when you look at, at, uh, at the production, I think that's one of the things, you know, you just, it, it it's amazing. He's, 
you know, you're talking about three straight seasons of 100 plus tackles, and I think you're going to see him go ahead and eclipse that 100 yard or 100 tackle mark one more time um, here this this season when it's all said and done. I mean, 12 tackles against Mizzou, and uh, like I said, just flying all over the football field. Um, you know, I wanted to see a little bit more out of Johanna Gaffon. You know, I, I thought that he affected affected plays. Um, against Colorado State, not as effective in this game. Did have uh, have five tackles, but uh, you know it's one of those things. If you're going to be talking about juniors uh, making the leap to the NFL, you want to see them affecting affecting games. And you know I, I didn't really get to see him do that against an SEC um, team like Missouri. You know, not really known as an SEC power by any means, but. Uh, you know, you're going up against one of the, the top quarterbacks. And I'll tell you what, Drew Locke, you know, 33 of 40 of 45, 398 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. That's huge. No interceptions. And uh, you know, when you're talking about the, the completion percentage, you know, 33 of 45 um, is 73, 73%. You know, that's not too, not too shabby at all. Um, you know, it's a lot better than the below 60% completion percentage. Um, that, that Drew Locke is averaging for his career. Um, I want to see what he's going to do at the, um, you know, against SEC con- uh, competition. But uh, the arm strength is definitely evident. The ball just jumps off his hand, um, and uh, you know he reminds you a little bit of, of Josh Allen from that perspective, because he's able to make you know make some some throws down the football field. One of the things that I was really impressed with was he showed some touch up the sideline. You know, back shoulder throw. Um, to Emmanuel Hall, who's a receiver that we need to talk about as well. Um, you know, Drew Locke, 6'4", 225 pounds. Um, you know, good footwork in the pocket. Um, you know, needs to watch staring down his receivers. Um, you know, got got in trouble. There was a near interception by by the Nickelback um, because he was staring down his receiver the entire time. Um, but, you know, I thought he did a good job going through his progressions before he pulled the ball and ran it on a 13-yard touchdown, kind of weaving his way through to the end zone. Um, you know, needs to, you know, watch some of his, you know, some of the throws. He was missing high to some of his, some of his receivers. Um, you know, missed one to, to Albert O. Uh, went off of his hands and, and a near interception by Antonio Hull. Um, you know, but... You know, he, he was also making some nice plays, you know, pressure in his face, um, was still able to fire a strike to the tight end off his back foot, um, you know, on, on the near side. You know, that was to, uh, to Kendall Blanton, um, you know, and, and uh, Blanton was able to make a play on the on the football. Um, you know, first half, he was 21-28 for 236 yards and a, and a touchdown. Um, you know, the, the eye discipline, I thought he did a really good job looking off Looking off safeties, um, you know, did a really good job. Also throwing the ball um, outside the numbers. You know, a 28-yard touchdown pass to Hall on a go route uh, up the sideline, put the ball just over the the cornerback and hit the receiver in stride. Um, you know, he just you know the, the 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 touch that that was one of the things that I didn't really see from him a season ago that I was seeing in this game you know you saw quite a bit of touch from him um and uh you know just some some big plays you know there's a 53 yard touchdown pass to to Albert O hit the hit him in stride 
um, ultimately let him you know, break free, broke a tackle, and was able to go ahead and take you know take it the distance. That's the big thing for Drew Locke is is that ball placement. If he can make it, you know, to put the ball where the receiver can make a play away from the defender, and then also allow him not to break stride. He was doing that time and again, not only with with Albert O, but also with uh, Emmanuel Hall, and uh, you know, good things are going to happen. You know, if Drew Locke can 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 have a big year throwing the football. He led the SEC in passing yards and touchdowns a season ago. Um, if he can work on that completion percentage, if he's well over 60%, um, he could end up being a first-round pick in this draft. Emmanuel Hall, man, you know, he was a lot of fun to watch. You know, 10 receptions, 171 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, I was talking to a, a, a Missouri Tiger fan, and he was talking about how he thinks he's Ma- Emmanuel Hall is, is a better uh, pro prospect than uh, Jamon Moore, and uh, you know, Jamon Moore ultimately a fourth round pick of the of the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know that Missouri Tiger fan happens to be my uncle. Hey, Uncle Dick, if you happen to be listening to the podcast, I uh, just wanted to give you a quick shout out. But uh, you know, Emmanuel Hall, six three, one hundred ninety five pounds, um, did a really good job. You know, getting uh, getting inside the cornerback off the ball on a slant. Um, you know. <laughs> Excuse me, you know you, you saw him um, getting outside. You know he he run the um, get outside on on, on a cornerback. Um, you know you saw a stutter and go, um, and uh, you know a stutter and then a slant. You know really got the cornerback turned around to to create separation. Um, did an excellent job coming back on a back shoulder throw uh, to the sideline. Um, you know let's see. You know he. Uh, you know, back shoulder throws does a really good job adjusting to the football while it's in the air. Um, quick acceleration, you know, a long strider uh, for 12 yards. Um, really seemed to you know have that burst up the field. I had eight receptions in the first half. Ultimately finished the game, uh, like I said, with uh, you know 10 10 for a buck 71 and and a touchdown. 28 yard touchdown pass. He beat Antonio Hull. Had a step on him. And. Uh, he was able to to haul in, uh, you know, with the with the cornerback, you know, leaping in front of him, uh, trying to make a play. I thought he made really good concentration hauling in that football. Um, you know, drove the, the the defensive back off the ball um, on a nine yard um, reception. You know, ball was thrown over his head, and he was able to go ahead and go up and make a play on the football. To me, Emmanuel Hall is a receiver nobody's talking about. You look at, again, you look at the receiver class. We talked about this earlier. Obviously, Nikhil Harry is the number one guy. You've got A.J. Brown out of Mississippi. You have Antonio Johnson out of Buffalo. David Sills is your possession guy. Um, Marquise Brown, is is, is Hollywood going to be uh, you know a, a slot guy there for Oklahoma? Is Debo Samuel, is he mostly a slot guy? Is he a guy who can really make plays and affect the game on the outside? Is Paris Campbell going to show up on a consistent basis? JGR Sega Whiteside, Colin Johnson, bigger receivers on um, you know on the outside, but not really you know anyone that can create separation. I thought that Emmanuel Hall um, really kind of solidified himself you know as a a receiver to watch and somebody who you know could very well end up finding his way into the second day uh, of this draft when it's all said and done. Um, you know the game of the day was Clemson. Texas A&M, number two, you know, Clemson Tigers, ultimately 28-26 uh, win in a, in a thriller. Uh, you know, A&M had a chance, um, you know, to tie the game up. 
and ultimately um, weren't able to convert on their on their two point conversion. But um, you know, TC or I'm sorry, Texas A&M definitely showed that they were for real though. Um, you know, and Kellen Mond emerged as a, as a quarterback to watch. Uh, 23 of 40, 430 yards, three touchdowns uh, on the day. Um, you know, I think that definitely, you know, he was making plays, you know, um, in the pocket, outside the pocket, and, uh, you know, has a, a new uh, go-to. You know, I mean, the, the size of their receivers, you know, Jay Sternberger and, uh, and and Trevor Wood, the tight ends, you know, both, you know, six, 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 seven, um, you know, and then you have the bigger receivers as well, you know, uh, with, with Jamon Osmond, um, Cameron Buckley on the outside, and then the playmaker and, uh, you know, potential you know, superstar on their hands and, and Kendrick Rogers, a six, three, 210 pound sophomore, um, you know, just the, the body control, the hands, the ability to catch the ball away from his body, uh, the concentration, you know, he was able to make a, a, a you know, the, the catch, the, the 24 yard touchdown to, to pull the game to 28 26 you know um you know catch over the top of a, a of a defensive back you know the concentration um you know got his ball or his hands under the ball um to to make the play on the football um you know and then the the sophomore receiver on the other side you know T Higgins 64 um you know 200 pounds um, you know, 24 yard pass up the sideline, you know, it was a fade up the sideline. He was able to high point the 50, 50 ball, um, and, and catch, catch that football over, uh, the defensive back, um, uh, Charles Oliver. And then, you know, he plants there on the sideline, you know, with the safety, um, over the top spins back to the inside, beats both the corner and the safety and, uh, is off to the races for, uh, you know, a 64 yard touchdown. Um, you know, three receptions, 123 yards, explosive. You know, I'm looking at some of these sophomores, you know, Higgins and, and Rogers and, and CD Lamb, you know, the receiving core, um, you know, for next year's draft class, you know, it's definitely going to be one to, to keep an eye on. You know, obviously, you know, we, we talk about Clemson, we have to start talking about their, their defensive line. And this was the first chance that I got to see Clemson this year. You know, Cleveland Farrell obviously looks the part. He's the best pro prospect, in my opinion, of of the the defense. You know, those defensive linemen. That includes Dexter Lawrence. I know, six four, three hundred forty pounds, very stout at the point of attack. We'll talk about him in just a sec. But Cleveland Farrell, to me, you know, the length, you know, you, it, it is something that you see, and then the explosiveness off the football, the speed, you know, his ability to to get off the edge. You know, I thought that he did a really good job affecting the run plays. There was one play where he met the running back just after the mesh. Um, and, and was able to, to drop him for, for no gain. Um, you know, lining up in that four-point stance, he just explode off the football. 2017 All-American. Um, you know, excellent spin move back uh, back inside to ultimately flush the quarterback from the pocket. Um, just seemed to be just so quick up the field off the football. Um, you know, that was you know, something that, that you just, it just seemed time and again that either on the outside or he would make a quick jab step to the outside, fake like he's going there and then would, would go inside. And honestly, the, you know, the, I don't know if there is a tackle in the, in, uh, in college football right now that uh, would be able to, you know, to keep up with him, have that power step to be able to, to wall him off, um, you know, because of that, that quickness and that explosiveness, um, you know, his hands at the point of attack, you know, does a good job, um, you know, slapping the, the right tackle's hands away and then would shoot inside, showed the speed to get to the quarterback, 
um, you know, made a hit on on Mon, forced a fumble. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't Mon. It was actually uh, Starkle, you know, because Mon did go out for a time. Uh, Nick Starkle had to come in as as the backup. Um, you know, but the effort, you know, that was one of the things that I was so impressed with. You know, he chased Mon, you know, uh, over over 20 yards down the field. Um, you know, and, and you don't see that from every every defensive lineman. Um, and that was something that I was definitely impressed with with uh, with Cleveland Farrell. You know, at the end of the day, you know, Farrell uh, filling up the stat sheet. You know, three tackles, two sacks. Uh, th- you know, those three tackles, all of them went for loss. Um, a forced fumble, pass breakup, um, four quarterback hurries. I mean, he just he, he did a little bit of everything. Now, you know, Dexter Lawrence, six four, three hundred forty pounds. You know, there, there's. You know, we have Vita Vea, you know, and we're drawing comparisons to Dantari Poe. You know, Dexter Lawrence may not have, uh, you know, quite the, um, you know, the the sack total, but uh, 96 tackles, definitely, you know, um, someone who um, can make plays, um, you know, all over the, the line of scrimmage against both the pass and the run. You know, seemed to be double teamed quite a bit. Um, when you get high, you know, and that's one of the things he has to work on. Make sure that pad level doesn't get too high because he was driven back in the running game. Um, but you know, when he got under the center, he would just drive him back all the way to the quarterback. It was just so disruptive. Um, you know, he would just get a push up field. He dumped, dumped the right guard, and then pressured the quarterback, forced a poor throw on a screen. Uh, you know, and, and if he can stay healthy, that's really the biggest thing. He was playing injured for for much of uh, of the season last year, um, but you know this year the explosiveness is there. He's so stout at the point of attack. Um, you know, keeping uh, keeping his pad level low and his arms extended to really hold his ground, um, take up multiple blockers, but then that explosion to. Um, you know that's that quickness off the ball, converting it to power and driving his man back into the backfield. He was able to collapse the pocket, you know, uh, uh, against the pass, and also uh, get early penetration against the run uh, to be a consistent factor in the backfield. Um, you know, Christian Wilkins, you know, six four, three hundred pounds. You know, Christian Wilkins, I'm a big fan of because he can be he's versatile. He can be a four three defensive tackle, a three four defensive end. Where I ultimately think is where he's going to make his home because he's one of those to where I, I thought that he was more effective as a three four defensive end because you did see odd man fronts um, out of Clemson in the game, and uh, he he does get a good good push. Um, uh, against the run and, and showed uh, the hands, you know, to get the ball in the passing lane uh, to affect passes. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that he did a good job. Um, you know, he's someone who, you know, could be a 3-4 defensive end and then, you know, on, on some of the sub packages, move inside and rush the passer um, on, on the inside. I think that's where he's going to be the most effective. You know, I did see a bull rush on the right tackle to get, you know, to drive the right tackle back into the quarterback. Um you know, it's something for me, Christian Wilkins, you know, his draft stock probably puts him, you know, maybe towards the end of round one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if he does even fall into the into the second round. You know, to me, I thought that, you know, watching him play after watching Jeffrey Simmons play, I thought Jeffrey Simmons was a lot more explosive off the football. Um, I thought he was affecting more plays. Um you know, because you know you have to also take into consideration the fact that Wilkins is he's he's got you know Farrell and Lawrence and then uh, Austin Bryant 
to me, Austin Bryant was, you know, he, he was seeing a lot of, of single coverage, um, you know, or single blockers. And, you know, because he had Farrell coming off the, off the, uh, off the edge, you had Wilkins and, and Lawrence on the inside. And, and he was someone who was really just at speed, you know, able to come downhill, um, you know, flattened out to the quarterback really quickly. You know, I thought he did a good job also getting, um, getting out to the, to the edge, um, but you know, one of the things that I thought was really weird was uh, his inability to get off some of the ta- uh, off of uh, some blocks there. Um, you know, you, you saw Cleland Farrell, you saw Dexter Lawrence getting off blocks. You saw you know Christian Wilkins making some plays, getting off blocks. You know, for me, Austin Bryant, if he's not um, you know his first move um, and he's not getting the getting the edge. You know, he he seemed to struggle at times to ultimately get to get off those blocks, um, and that's something to keep an eye on as we move forward into ACC play. Is you know, is he going to make any of those adjustments? You know, he, he did make two uh, two tackles for loss in the game, um, four tackles overall. But uh, you know, to me, if if if, if Austin Bryant isn't uh, beating his man off the football. Then you know I, I wasn't seeing him getting off the blocks on a consistent play, excuse me, on a consistent basis. Um, Mitch Hyatt, you know the 6'5", 305 pound left tackle, he's kind of the forgotten man in this uh, you know offensive tackle draft class. Um, I thought a season ago you know he really struggled um, with a lot of the speed rush. Um, you know I, I, I just watching watching. Uh, he, he was very slow on, you know, inside on, on some of the secondary moves. He would get beat. Um, but, you know, what was, what was interesting was, you know, if, if he wasn't already setting up on the outside and he wasn't already had that kick slide, you know, if it was right off the ball and he was making that power step you know, with that initial move, um, I thought that he was very good uh, walling off defenders, you know, keeping them in front. But if he was already already out on the perimeter, already with that kick slide. If uh, if he was then asked to change directions and get back inside, he just didn't have the quickness to do that. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting was, you know, when, when Landis Durham was lining up over him, the defensive end there for, for A&M, um, you know, he would explode out of his stance. And, uh, you know, there was one play in particular where uh, Durham got low on him and he basically just took him and just rode him all the way into the ground. Um you know, one of the things that I, I, I thought that he did do more of in this game than um, in, in other games was, you know, he, he was taking uh, the edge rushers and forcing them up the field and away from the pocket. You know, I think that he was able to, he was much more effective with that. Even when the edge rushers were getting to the edge, you know, he was able to take them and just force them away from the quarterback so that they weren't affecting the plays. Um, but to me, Mitch Hyatt, you know, he may have to kick inside to guard because I, I think he lacks the foot speed um, to be an effective tackle. He may end up being a swing tackle at the next level, but he may have to kick inside. And then the last player that I'm going to talk about from the Aggie standpoint um, before we move on to the next game is uh, you know Travion Williams. You know, 17 carries for just 31 yards after the 240-yard performance against uh, Northwestern State. You know, he, he has good hands as a receiver, uh, showed some decent balance uh, to keep going after contact, some quick acceleration. But, uh, you know, that, that offensive line, they're big, they're physical, um, but Clemson was flying around to the football and he really couldn't get anything generated um, in the run game. 5'9", um, 200-pound junior, 
um, you know, just kind of struggled to get, uh, like I said, to get things going in the in the running game. So those are the those those are the main guys that I was keeping an eye on there in in, in that football game. You know, Hunter Renfro, 5'10", 180 pounder. You know, the slot receiver. Um, you know, I said that you know Williams was going to be the last guy, but I keep looking at my uh, my notes, and there's just more and more guys that just keep jumping out. Hunter Renfro, though, not only a slot receiver, but he also showed that he could get vertical as well, and showed excellent concentration, um, you know, and 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 uh, some excellent hands there on the outside as well. Um, you know, Dalen Mack, the the, the six three, three hundred five pound, or I'm sorry, three hundred twenty pound defensive tackle for for the Aggies. You know, was showing some quickness. You know, he, he shot some gaps. Um, you know. Beat two offensive linemen, you know, dis- disrupted a run play, and uh, you know, basically just blew up the whole run play. Um, you know, Atara Alaka, the the inside inside backer, was able to ultimately make a tackle for loss on on the running back, but ultimately that was due to the penetration early by by Dalen Mack. Um, he he's the guy who I think as the season progresses um, is going to get some more steam there at that defensive tackle position. And like I said, you've got Oliver, you've got Lawrence, you've got Wilkins, you've got Simmons, Jones, and, and Brown, um, and then and Tillery. You know that's seven right there. And then you know I, I think Dalen Mack has a chance to be uh, to be number eight. But you know there's so much depth at, at that defensive tackle position. You know there's Terry Beckner for for Missouri, although Missouri plays so many defensive linemen that uh, you know Beckner might get lost in the shuffle a little bit this year. You know Cincinnati even has a couple of of, of really good defensive tackles in Marquise Copeland and, and Cortez Broughton. Um, just so many guys that you can list off. Um, they're playing inside. Um, it's really a good year if you're looking for uh, for defensive linemen. Now the Penn State game against Pittsburgh, um, you know, Nittany Lions fifty-one to six route of uh, the Pitt Panthers there at Heinz Field, one week after uh, they had to go into overtime to beat Appalachian State. Um, much more efficient outing out of Trace McSorley, you know, fourteen to thirty, um, one hundred forty-five yards, you know, two touchdowns. Um, you know, the accuracy wasn't there, but again, two touchdowns on the on the day, no interceptions. Um, you know, Miles Sanders over 100 yards uh, on the ground. Um, you know, the the cornerback Amani Oruwariye, uh, he was the guy who ultimately made a made a play um, to to seal the win against Appalachian State. And uh, you know, again, was at it one more time in this game. You know, it looks like he had another interception, two pass breakups uh, on the outside, and uh, another pass rusher to keep an eye on is Sharif Miller. Um, you know, uh, the, the senior, 6'5", 260 pounds, um, you know, had a sack and two tackles for loss in the game. Um, you know, an athletic guy coming off the edge there for the Nittany Lions. Um, so let's see, you know, I've got four games. That's one of the four games that I haven't gotten to watch yet uh, from the season, um, you know, the, the second week of the season. You know, I want to see what Washington State, you know, what they what they did in, in dismantling uh, San Jose State. Um, you know, anytime you get a chance to watch Mike Leach's um, group, you know, um, they're, they're definitely fun to watch. You know, there's Iowa versus Iowa State. You know, I'm looking forward to, to watching that one. You know, David Montgomery looks like he never really got going. Um, just 44 yards on the ground, uh, three receptions for 15 yards. Um, you know, that that's one one 
matchup that I'm really curious to see, seeing what that, you know, that defense there for the Hawkeyes, um, what they did uh, to bottle up Montgomery. Um, you know, I want to watch Iowa State's defense. They've got some athletes, Marcel Spears, Willie Harvey, the 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 outside linebackers there. You know, Mike Rose, the, the middle linebacker, had a big day as well. Um, you know, the linebacker player there at Iowa State is something to really kind of keep an eye on. And then Jaquan Bailey, you know, the underclassman there at defensive end, another athlete. Um, you know, they held Iowa to just 13 points. Um, you know, Nate Stanley, you know, he's got to work on his accuracy. Um, you know, 16 of, of 27, 168 yards. Um, you know, and, and to me, you know, he's a big kid. You know, he's 6'4", 240 pounds. But, uh, you know, Nate Stanley really needs to work on on just being more efficient as a passer. To me, I don't see him as a, a pro prospect for the 2019 draft. He's a guy, you know, much like Brian Lewerke, you know, someone who I could see um, – you know, see us talking about for the 2020 draft. I just don't see him being a fit for for this draft class in in 2019. You know, when you talk about quarterbacks for 2019, obviously we talked about Drew Locke and uh, you know someone who I think could ultimately, with a good year in, in SEC play, could lock up a uh, no pun intended a a, a first round um, first round selection. Um, you've got Ryan Finley, the the efficient one there at NC State. Um, Will Greer at, at West Virginia, the, the the gunslinger there for for the Mountaineers. Justin Herbert, the prototypical passer, the six six, two hundred twenty five pounds. Um, you know the the big junior. Um, can he stay healthy? Durability is going to be an issue. And then Jarrett Stidham, just the model of efficiency and 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 accuracy. You know, those are your, are, are your quarterbacks, the top quarterbacks there. And if you're not going to be a, a top five quarterback in the draft, then you shouldn't come out. You know, I'm looking at Jake Bentley. Jake Bentley, you know, is not going to be a quarterback that's taken in the first three rounds. Nate Stanley right now, I don't think he's going to be a quarterback taken in the first three rounds. So I, I really don't see either of them coming out Um you know, because to me, I look at them, what's the difference between them and, and Clayton Thorson out of Northwestern? You know, 6'4", 225 pounds. The issue with Thornton is, is you know, that his health more than anything else. Um, but, you know, I, I think Clayton Thorson, um, I want to see what he can do in Big Ten play. I thought when, and, and if he can basically own that quarterback position and really just take it from, from TJ, uh, TJ Green. You know, the fact that he's split in time is, is a little bit concerning. But uh, I thought when he was in the game against Purdue, before he was taken out, he was on fire. And I think really, you know, when they took that whole pitch count and, and really messed with his rhythm, because when he came back, he was a much different quarterback, wasn't as efficient. And, uh, you know, hopefully they, they, they figure that out. And, uh, you know, Thorson will be able to, uh, you know, run, the, run that offense there for, for Northwestern. So, made it through the first two weeks of the season, and uh, you know, let's take a look at the games coming up here for week three. Um, and we've got quite a bit of action uh, slated here. Um, you know, Thursday games. You know, we've got uh, ACC matchup BC and Wake Forest. Um, you know, obviously, you've got the the sophomore running back AJ Dillon. Um, on, on offense there for, for the Eagles. And then, you know, defensively for, for the Eagles, I really want to watch Zach Allen, um, the defensive end, 100 tackles a season ago. And then, 
you know, and then, you know, you've got Lucas Dennis in the, um, in the secondary, um, going up against, you know, Sam Hartman, the, 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 the surprise freshman. I don't think he was really supposed to start, but, you know, due to an injury, he, he started the season and, and just really a gritty performer, Greg Dorch on the outside, you know, going to show some explosiveness. Both teams are two and oh, uh, as they start ACC play on Thursday and then Friday, um, you know, Memphis against uh, Georgia State. I'll be keeping an eye on that game. Um, you know, just want to see what uh, you know what Brady White can do there for for Memphis uh, throwing the football. Saturday, let's see what do we have here for for our games. You know, the early morning games. Um, you know, you've got you know Oklahoma taking on Iowa State. Oklahoma looking for some revenge. Who's going to be carrying the football for for Oklahoma? That's going to be a you know a big question. It's going to start with uh, uh, with, with Trey Sermon. But what's that going to look like? What's the dynamic of that offense going to look like? Um, you know, Bobby Evans, the left tackle. He and that offensive line going to have to make sure that uh, they protect Kyler Murray. Um, Iowa State can David Montgomery get things going. Um, UCLA didn't really get the ball going, um, you know, running the football, so it'll be you know Iowa State. You know, it might be tough sledding for uh, for David Montgomery once again. Uh, let's see, Penn State takes on Kent State. Um, you know, really curious to see what uh, you know what Penn State's going to be able to do. Um, you know, moving forward, I want to really keep an eye on Trace McSorley. Can he be a more efficient passer? You know, that, that that's really going to be a big question mark. You know, because you know, I thought that he was a lot more efficient a season ago. Um, I think some of that that accuracy has kind of regressed a little bit. Um, so I want to see if he's going to be able to. Uh, you know, to improve in that area. Toledo taking on Miami. I definitely want to tune into that game, um, you know, mainly because I want to keep an eye on some of those receivers for Toledo. I haven't gotten a chance to, to really watch them play. You know, Deontay Johnson and, and Cody Thompson is, is a guy that I, I was really bummed out when he got injured a season ago. Um, he's one of my favorite possession receivers, so I want to definitely tune into that game, see if Miami, um, you know, number one, they're still ranked 21 in the country. Um you know, see if they can rebound. There's a lot of talent on that defense. Shaq Quarterman, uh, Jaquan Johnson, and, and company. Joe Jackson coming off the edge. Uh, Toledo's going to be throwing the ball a lot, so Joe um, Joe Jackson will get a lot of opportunities to uh, rush the quarterback. Florida State struggled with with Samford. Um, you know, ultimately got the win uh, after having uh, all, all kinds of trouble uh, against uh, Virginia Tech, taking on Syracuse. You know, you've got Eric Dungy. Are they going to be able to hold him? Um, you know, he's, you know, 244 uh, yards on the ground thus far. And then you've got Jamal Custis on the outside, three receptions for, for uh, three receiving touchdowns for uh, Jamal Custis, over 200 yards receiving uh, to this point. You know, he's, he's a big receiver. Um, and uh, has uh, you know what they say is four four speed, and it, it looked every bit you know as uh, every bit the the four four speed in uh, Syracuse's um, first game of the season, and uh, you know that's really what I want to see is is you know Levante Taylor struggled against some of the bigger receivers there for uh, um, for Virginia Tech, and uh, you know Custis you know when he played against Western Michigan. 
you know, he, he showed off, you know, some, some speed after the catch, but he's 6'5", 213 pounds. Is Levante Taylor going to be able to handle that size? And that's really going to be the biggest concern. I think he's ultimately not going to be that corner that's going to be playing on the outside. He's mostly going to be someone who's going to work out of the slot. Uh, let's see, what else do we have on some of the early games? Ball State, 1-1 one one now on the year. They're, they're going to be taking on Indiana, uh, who's 2-0 and on the year. Um, Indiana, you know, Ball State is no slouch. You know, right, like I said, Riley Neal is for real. And uh, that, def- that defense led by, by Ray Wilborn, uh, something to keep an eye on. They may actually be draft eligible when it's all said and done. Uh, Kentucky, we didn't talk about Kentucky, but the first time beating Florida State, I'm sorry, the Florida Gators in uh, 31 years took them down 21 to 10. You know, Benny Snell is going to be leading the way. Uh, Snell already over 300 yards on the ground. Um, on a couple of touchdowns for the Wildcats. Uh, they're taking on Murray State um, there early on. Um, but, uh, you know, Kentucky, definitely uh, a team to keep an eye on there in the SEC. game that I do want to tune into at 1 o'clock, um, it's on the Pac-12 network actually, is Stanford against UC, uh, UC Davis. You know, Stanford into the top, uh, you know, they were ranked number 10 against USC. Now they're at number 9. Uh, obviously, our Sega Whiteside and Bryce Love going up against UC Davis, who upset uh, San Jose State in, the, in their opener. They're 2 0 to start out the year. The Aggies, Keelan Doss, I want to see what he can do against um, some top notch corners um, for, for Stanford. Um, Alami Murray, you know, and, and really, I think the guy that he's going to be lining up against is uh, Paulson Adebo. You know, I thought Paulson Adebo did a good job overall. Um, against the Trojan receivers. So he's going to be someone that I'm going to be keeping an eye on there um, you know, against Stanford. Wisconsin, you know, they're, they're going in to, to take on BYU. You know, had, an, had an easy day there with, with uh, New Mexico. Started a little slow, but uh, you know, they get to take on the, the, the Cougars of BYU. Um, you know, one-on-one one on the year. Um you know, really want to see what uh, what that offense can get going. Uh, Jonathan Taylor already, you know, 398 yards and five touchdowns on the year. Um, Auburn, you know, in the SEC game of the week, um, taking on LSU, number seven, Auburn Tigers, number 12, LSU Tigers. You know, uh, Jarrett Stidham, you know, let's see what he can do against that LSU defense. You know, Greedy Williams, uh, you know, Devin, Ta- or Devin White, uh, the, the linebacker. You know, really want to see what they can do. And then LSU, are they going to be able to muster any type of an offense? You know, they were able to to put some points on the ball on the board against uh, Miami, but uh, you know, Auburn's defense is a little bit different. You know, they because of you know so much experience, so much depth up front. You know, that front seven um, can really squeeze the life out of you. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the football. Uh, Gosh, another top 25 matchup. You know, you've got Boise State and Oklahoma State. Uh, Taylor Cornelius, you know, looked a little shaky at times, but, uh, you know, he'll be lining up there, um, you know, taking on uh, the Broncos, who will have, um, you know, uh, Brett Rippon, you know, throwing the football for them. You know, Rippon's very efficient as a a passer. Um, You know, we'll get to see Trey Carter and uh, Jordan Brailford up front for, for Oklahoma State. Can they put pressure on Rippon early? Alexander Madison will be running the football for Boise State. Um, you know, and, and Justice Hill will actually get to see him play more than, than a half 
Um, you know, Madison only has 171 yards on the ground, and he's the leading ground gainer going into this game, you know, for the two schools. So um really want to see um you know Oklahoma State can they establish the run against Boise. Um you know, Boise's usually stout up front, so really want to see what uh what Justice Hill will be able to do. UCF, you know, they've got Blake Barnett, you know, at, at quarterback, 45 of 65, 507 yards and five touchdowns in their two wins uh, to start out the season. They're playing against Illinois, who themselves are, are 2-0 um, to start out the season. They're one of the youngest teams. I think I saw something that they had only eight um, seniors on the entire roster, uh, the young guys there, the Illini getting things done. Um, that might be an intriguing game to watch. You know, would be curious to see what Blake Barnett, who started at Oklahoma, went to Alabama and is now there in uh, South Florida. I think Barnett also went to uh, ASU, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, let's see. What else do we have? The 12:30 games. Minnesota. Um, they're taking on Miami of Ohio. Shouldn't be too much of a contest in that game, but. You know, Minnesota, the bad news, Rodney Smith, um, who, you know, had a great opening game there for, for the Gophers. He's out for the season. Uh, knee injury, you know, sustained uh, last week. Um, so definitely, definitely sad to, to see that happen. Um, you know, Colorado State is taking on Florida. You know, will Florida be able to bounce back? You know, you've got some some dynamic receivers. We've talked about them quite a bit. Preston Williams, Ola B.C. Johnson. Um, you know, what are they going to be able to do against uh, an SEC team like like uh, the Florida Gators? Um, you know, I'll be watching Houston take on Texas Tech. You know, you have um, you know that that explosive offense there for uh, you know um, the spread offense there for Cliff Kingsbury, um, but. Uh, Man, Houston—they they look for real on defense. You know, Ed Oliver leading that team, but uh, there are a lot of guys on that that defensive side of the football for for Houston. Um, that could be a Group of Five team that's going to challenge for uh, you know a, a New Year's Six bowl game when it's all said and done. As we scroll through here, let's see what else we have. Um, Eastern Michigan—they're two and zero. You know, they uh, upset Purdue. Um, they're taking on Buffalo. You know, Buffalo's got uh, you know my my three of my favorite players. You know, they've got uh, you know Tyree Jackson, the, the the big quarterback. You know, who who looks to be a lot more efficient this year. Anthony Johnson, who's one of the top receivers in the game, and then uh, you know Khalil Hodge. Not to be confused with Khalil Mack, who also was a Buffalo Bull, uh, but Khalil Hodge, very active linebacker, um, and somebody who I think you know people are going to have to get to know because he's going to. Um, be talked about, you know, when when we get into the whole draft process. Um, a guy who can make plays all over the football field, over 150 tackles a season ago. Um, let's see the the later game, six o'clock Eastern. Uh, I'm sorry, six o'clock Central um, on ESPN. Uh, Alabama and Ole Miss. You know, uh, this is an Ole Miss team. They're two and zero to start out the year. Um, you know, what what are they gonna be able to, to put together? And they don't have um, you know, Shea Patterson, but Jordan Ta'amu um, did get some playing time in his absence. Um, you know, he's thrown for 784 yards, seven touchdowns to start out the year. Uh, A.J. Brown on the outside. Really want to see what Greg Little can do um, up front. And, you know, can they get any pressure on 
to Otongo Vailoa. That's really going to be the the big question. Um, I think that's going to be one of the matchups of uh, of the night to really keep an eye on. You know, the the Rebels. It seems like Alabama always has trouble with with the Rebs, and uh, they're going to uh, Vought Hemingway Stadium. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what the outcome will be there. But you know, I don't think it'll be an easy task there for uh, for Bama in that one. As we get through, what other matchups do we have? Uh, Purdue taking on uh, Missouri. You know, Purdue, you know, they're coming back off of that that uh, loss to Eastern Michigan. Um, you know, Missouri, uh, Drew Locke. Anytime Drew Locke is playing, you definitely want to tune in and, and watch. You know, it's it's really a, a treat to watch quarterbacks like that play. Um, you know, when you're especially when you've got guys that are competing for uh, your potential first round pick. Um, you definitely want to keep eyes on on them, and you know, going up against Purdue, uh, a lot of high hopes for Jeff Brom's uh, program, but uh, they just haven't been able to get things done to this point. Uh, Northwestern, they're one and one um, on the year. They uh, beat Purdue, and then they ultimately they lost to Duke, twenty-one to seven. Clayton Thorson, you know, if they can just get him from from just sharing the sharing the uh, the load there at, at the quarterback position, I really want to see what he can do um, if he's given an entire game uh, under center. But they're taking on Akron, and there are a couple of names just to keep an eye out for if you end up catching that game on the Big Twelve uh, or Big Ten Network, and uh, that's that's Kyron Brown, the corner. Uh, 6'1 corner has excellent size, and then Ulysses Gilbert, you know, over 100 tackles. Um, one of my favorite players um, to watch um, because he is so active, and you know he's somebody that they're going to have to keep an eye out for him because he always he's always making plays. 140 tackles a season ago, um, 121 the year before that. Um, seven total pass breakups in his career, had three interceptions last year, eight sacks in his career. I mean, I can just keep going on and on with him. He's somebody to me that, you know, is, uh, NFL ready. I think he's somebody who I think can make a roster and, uh, could surprise some people. Uh, Ohio state and TCU, another top 20 matchup, uh, Ohio state, number four overall, you know, taking on a TCU who's ranked number 15 in the country. Um, you know, they're gonna, you know, you know, Dwayne Haskins has been pretty efficient, only 11 incompletions to start out the year. Um, you got Mike Weber and uh, J.K. Dobbins running the football. Um, but, uh, you know, the question really is going to be, um, you know, can, you know, Ben Banigou, um, you know, get to the quarterback, you know, and, and disrupt Dwayne Haskins um, because you know that TCU is going to have trouble with with Nick Bosa and Draymond, uh, Draymond Jones and company. I don't think Ohio State's going to have um, too difficult a task there against TCU, um, especially with that that defense that front. Um, you know, TCU is going to have to get on them early. You know, Cavante Turpin, um, you know, the, the pint size uh, receiver, um, he's someone who could be a slot receiver potentially at the next level. I think he has. You know, you look at a guy like Jakeem Grant, who's you know um, another you know smaller receiver. Um, what he's able to do for the Dolphins, I think Cavante Turpin could be that same type of player. Um, there uh, for the Horn Frogs, USC and Texas. Um, you know, a, a couple of one and one teams. You know, USC number twenty-two in, in the country, but uh, you know, very anemic offense. You know, against Stanford, 
Um, can JT Daniels um, step up? You know, the the true freshman. You know, I thought defensively USC. You know, Sam Ellinger is going to be seeing a lot of of, of Cameron Smith, number thirty five, number forty five, Porter Gustin. You know, in the in the flowing hair. Um, you know, Iman Marshall on the outside. Keep an eye out for him as well. Um, you know, I, I think USC wins this game, but I think it's going to be another close one. A season ago, it went into overtime before USC finally pulled out the win. Um, I don't think it's going to go into overtime, but I think it's going to be a lot closer um, than everyone expects. You know, actually, it looks like uh, Texas right now is is favored by by three and a half. So really, you know, most people are actually picking Texas to beat USC. You know, to me, I think SC ends up winning the football game. You know, more so because of that defense. I think USC will do just enough on offense to be able to get it done. You know, number ten Washington taking on Utah. Utah is two and zero. Washington one and one, obviously with the loss to Auburn. Um, really want to see what uh, what Jake Browning can do against uh, one of the top defenses there in the Pac-12. Uh, Zach Moss um, is actually the the leading round gainer. Um, you know, he's actually so far he's outgained uh, uh, Miles Gaskin, uh, 216 yards on the ground to this point. Um, you know, Utah, always always in the mix there in the Pac-12 South, and uh, this will be a true test. You really see what uh, what the Utes are made of. Um, so that's a, a later game. That's the uh, nine o'clock Central. If you're on the on the East Coast, that's a ten o'clock start. Um, ASU taking on San Diego State. You know, I get to watch Nikhil Harry. I mean, that's always a treat. Um, you know, getting to see him see him play there on the, on the outside, and then uh, you know your night cappers uh, UCLA against Fresno State, and uh, you know getting to see you know there for for UCLA. You know, uh, Caleb Wilson. If you get a chance to watch him, um, you know, definitely a pro prospect there at the tight end. Uh, position now with uh, Hurricane Florence looks like uh, the Virginia Tech um, East Carolina game West Virginia and NC State which would have been a lot of fun to watch by the way um, if you would have gotten to see Will Greer take on Ryan Finley that would have been one to watch out for a pair of uh, 2-0 teams West Virginia ranked number 14 in the, in the country Ryan Finley, one of the more efficient quarterbacks in all, you know, in in all of college football, um, two quarterbacks that'll be considered um, as potential first round prospects, but uh, that game ultimately canceled uh, due to uh, Hurricane Florence. As is uh, UCF and UNC, uh, App State and Southern Miss, and uh, looks like South Carolina and Marshall also with uh, a game canceled. Um, due to the storm, so anyone in the in the path of that storm, you know, we're you know our thoughts, you know, my thoughts are definitely with you. Um, you know, be safe. You know, out there, it sounds like the the hurricane's been graded to a, a, a category three, but uh, I was seeing that you know you're talking about 28 inches of rain. Um, you know, that's you know that could definitely be catastrophic. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine 28 inches of rain falling in a single day. Um, so definitely, you know, my thoughts and, and prayers are out to everybody as that storm, um, hits land and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, you'll be able to enjoy some, some college football, take your mind off of things over the weekend. Um, so that's, that's what to look forward to here this weekend, you know, the full slate of the games, um, you know, starts off, you know, on, on Thursday, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, September 13th, all the way through 
Saturday, uh, September 15th. Um, you know, I'll make sure that I'm, I'm watching you know, as many games as possible. I'm going to try to get another 15 to 20 games in, um, hopefully over the, the weekend. If I can do that, then, uh, you know, we'll have quite a bit to talk about. Um, but, uh, hopefully everyone's enjoyed the podcast at this point. I've been having fun bringing this to you. Um, like I said, 62 game or 62 teams that I've gotten to take a look at so far, 38 total games. Um, you know, when it's all said and done, if I can get through these next four games, that'll put me at about, uh, what, 40, 42 games in, in two weeks. And then, uh, obviously I've got, uh, BC, um, on Thursday, tomorrow taking on, on Wake Forest. So I'll make sure to tune into that game as well. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, everyone will get to tune in and watch some, some college football and, uh, you know, stay tuned for me next week. We'll go ahead and take a look at all of these games. We'll break them down, take a look at some of the top players and uh, some guys that are flying under the radar, some some new names that are popping up. You know, we've already been able to talk about a few of them today and, uh, you know, some names to to keep an eye out for um, in the in the upcoming drafts. Um, like I said, you know, the future's bright for the receiving core uh, of the 2020 draft. I think that, uh, that group will be in good hands. Um but uh, you know, still looking to see who's going to emerge as the top quarterback in this year's draft. Um, but I think you know you've you've got the top two picks pretty much solidified, and and Nick Bosa and and Ed Ed Oliver. I think Nikhil Harry is also separating himself as the top receiving prospect. And I think we clearly have a line drawn with our offensive linemen. You've got Greg Little, you've got Jonah uh, Jonah Williams, and then beyond the two of them, you know, you've got uh, you know. Uh, Dalton Reisner um, as uh, as one of the top tackles beyond that both uh, you know Reisner and uh, David Edwards probably competing for that number three spot with Max Sharping um, there at, at number five and then the defensive line play and you know, we talked about Nick Bosa you know and, and Rashawn Gary but then Cleveland Farrell Zach Allen, Raquan Davis, uh, Jalen Jelks. We haven't talked about Jalen Jelks at all out of Oregon. He's like a hybrid of, of, of DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. Um, and, uh, you know, just so explosive. You know, Joe Jackson coming off the edge for, for Miami. And then inside the interior of the line, Ed Oliver looking like another uh, Aaron Donald. Um, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, Derek Brown, Draymond Jones, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Jerry Tillery, a lot of names to, to remember there at the defensive tackle position, but that's just how deep um, that position is. And, you know, really those um, that whole defensive line, there are going to be some teams in the second and third round that are going to be getting some guys in the draft that, you know, they otherwise wouldn't have had available just because of how deep this draft class is. You know, if there is one one area you know, when you're looking at the outside linebacker position and, and really some of these edge rushers, um, that's one area that I really want to see. Um, you know, that, that, that's something that it's still kind of a wait and see. You know, I, I still have Montez Sweat penciled in as an outside linebacker. I need to kick him back up to defensive end. Um, Devin Williams, I think, is is the most active of the outside linebackers. He and uh, and Khalil Hodge. Well, I think Hodge really could play uh, the Mike backer if, if he's asked to. 
Um, you know, Brian Burns, you know, showing some definite speed off the edge for Florida State. Uh, Tavon Coney, you know, playing the middle linebacker. I think he's the number one middle linebacker right now, um, along with obviously TJ Edwards, who plays both uh, the pass and the run. Uh, seven interceptions in his career, one return for a touchdown, 13 pass breakups, five sacks coming into the year. Oh, yeah, he also has 254 total tackles, 26 for loss. Um, you know, so just a few names to, to keep an eye on there on the defensive side of the football. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, things are starting to take shape. We're starting to see some of the guys that are emerging um, as uh, as some of the playmakers, some of the guys that we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, as we get towards the, uh, towards the draft process, obviously we got to get through the season first before we can start talking about, uh, the, the, the draft formally, but, um, you know, definitely some guys to be excited about. Hopefully, um, you're excited as I am, you know, as we make our way through September, um, you know, we're already into week three, you know, we're already, uh, you know, third, third week here in, in September, uh, already talking about, uh, the, the 15th of September, um, hopefully we kind of th- slow things down a little bit. Let's, let's, let's not, um, let's enjoy this college football season. Hopefully, you know, time will kind of slow down a little bit for us and this, you know, this, uh, college football season doesn't go too fast and we can just enjoy it for what it is for a little bit. So with that said, hope everyone's enjoyed, uh, the ready for the draft podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Greg shoots. Uh, once again, you know, check out readyforthedraft.com. I apologize that it hasn't been updated. You know, I want to get the all shoots team that we talked about in the first podcast of the season. Want to get that out there along with my my top ten um, uh, rankings by position. Um, want to make sure that that gets out as well. I'll be putting some analysis on there throughout the season. Uh, some of the things that we've talked about here on the podcast. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to go ahead and, and sign off for now. Um, but uh, I know where I'll be this weekend. I'll be tuning in, watching some football, and uh, hope you will as well. So take care, have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. I am out of here.